You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi everyone! Welcome to a very special episode of Reporting as Eligible. Um, we're we're putting in a little extra time because after we recorded, a bunch of crazy news broke, and if we don't talk about it, it'll seem ridiculous. <laughs> so, um, really quick intro. With me, as always, in Urban Wautosa, I have. Hey, it's your special guest from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I'm J.R. Radcliffe, Thanks trending for, sports reporter. Thank you for making time, J.R. Uh, Matt is dealing with a milk emergency, so um, he, he's on the regular yeah. podcast. You can hear him if you need to on that. Um, and his A.J. Dillon interview which seems like a year ago. but Yeah, uh, that was a long time ago now. Right? Um, but look, we can just jump right into it, which is that the news of the day is Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID-19. And I would argue that's not actually the news no, today, is it? That's the first part, though. You, you can't have the second part without the True. first part. True. And um, in addition to that, it was revealed that he is, in fact, not vaccinated, which is huge news because he lied to reporters and said that he was vaccinated several months ago. Um, the fallout from that is ongoing. It's an open question as to whether the Packers adhered to or violated the COVID protocols because of this. Um, I, I would listen to Andrew Brandt earlier, who seemed to think that they actually have, by the letter of the law, adhered to them. But uh, the, the NFL is making some noise about conducting an investigation into the Packers now. So it's a big mess. Um, it, uh, it's layered in technicalities and, and parsing language. And uh, it, it's, it's super annoying. And uh, Aaron is just, I wrote about him being a putz earlier, and he is just the biggest putz in the world. So... I don't know, JR. Where do you want to start? You want to start? Oh, with, where? So, you want to start with parsing what immunized versus um, vaccinated, or yes? Okay. Well, I mean, yes, because to be specific, what Aaron Rodgers said when asked specifically, "Is he vaccinated?" He said, "Yeah, I've been immunized," and according to language of the CDC or many other places, immunized implies a vaccination. That that is how you have been treated for the COVID nineteen vaccine. Now, there is reporting out there. Uh, not yet from the J, not from JS online, I should point out, but uh, <laughs> reporting that uh, that Rogers sought to get an exception with the NFL for alternative treatment, uh, sort of a holistic medicine approach, not super sanctioned by anybody nope. and therefore not accepted by the NFL or the NFLPA as truly vaccinated. So we should point out that it's in his mind, in Aaron Rodgers' mind, it's quite possible he sees himself as immunized or even possibly if, if we want to get to the very specific specificity of the word he sees himself as vaccinated he sees himself as protected from the virus the nfl does not agree with that assessment you know there's the deeper story of why why people will seek any any method of of keeping themselves safe from this virus except for the one specifically engineered in a lab by genius scientists over the course of 
many, many years, the research that built up to this, why, why they would not seek that specific remedy and go for literally anything else mm -hmm. that remains to be determined, seen, I don't know. The, the fact that Aaron Rodgers is a little bit different is, is not news to us. We know, we've always known that he looks at the world a little different. He likes to think of himself as a contrarian, fine. He likes to think of himself as pretty smart, pretty intelligent. I think for the most part, that's true. I think he is, in, in many cases, one of the smartest people in the room. Unfortunately, sometimes that rubs people the wrong way. And, and in this case, it, it certainly rubs me the wrong way uh, because he seems to think that he has an alternative that is better than, than what, what is approved in the United States of America as one of the many, many potential vaccines he could take to resolve the issue. Um, I think the new part here is, is, the, is the, the deceit. And if you don't want to call it lying, you don't have to. But at the very least, it's misleading. It's deceitful. You know, he has, he said, He's, he's, he's smart enough to know that when he implies immunization, he knows that 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 will lead people to believe that he has taken an NFL approved remedy for the COVID-19 virus. So he 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 certainly allowed that assumption to be made. He didn't disagree with anyone's premise when follow up questions were asked that sort of went on the implication that he had been vaccinated against COVID-19 vaccinated with one of these specific vaccines. So he, he knew what he was doing. He knew that he was misleading people. And uh, he seems to have no problem with that. And I, I don't know why he didn't think that wouldn't come up eventually. I mean, there's it's, it's a 53-man roster, and there's a million people in the building. I don't know how it hasn't come out yet, but here we are. Finally, there is. Well, I should. I mean, I shouldn't say finally. No one wants. Nobody wants anybody to get COVID-19. But this then ends up being the trigger that sort of releases this information. Yeah, I don't know what he thought was going to happen. And uh, I'm I'm happy to parse. Uh, like people are making way too much out of parsing immunized versus vaccinated. Like. He maybe maybe thought he was being clever there, but he, he wasn't. That that's it means the same thing. Um, and, and what does it what does it do if he's using the technically correct language there? It doesn't get him out of anything. It's all it court of public not. opinion anyway. Yeah. What we're talking about here, yeah, it doesn't it, save him any sanctions. It's it it saves him nothing. It's it's a it's a lie. It because for one thing, he can claim that he's gotten all of the homeopathic remedies he wants. Fact of the matter is he's not immunized. It, it's still a lie. He might believe it's not a lie, but it, it's a uh, it, it's it, it's a lie in spirit and in fact. It's a lie in spirit because the question was, "Are you vaccinated?" and he answered yes. And it's a lie in fact because uh, he maybe is trying to parse that he was immunized and he's not immunized. It just as a matter of fact, homeopathic remedies don't do anything. They are frauds and scams. And um, he is not an, immune to COVID-19 in any way, shape, or form by virtue of having done some nonsense um, out west somewhere. So um, that it, it's, a, it's a bad look. He is, as, you know, as I mentioned frequently, not a good guy. Aaron Rodgers is a bad guy. And this is the kind. Also, kind of a coward. Like, there's a lot of unvaccinated players who just come out and tell you that they're unvaccinated. Like, Kirk Cousins is, is an idiot. But at we least, have bagged on Kirk Cousins, yeah. but at least the man just uh, tells people where he stands. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is trying to trying to have this both ways, and um, you know, tr trying to keep the love of everybody um, who is trying to do the right thing and get vaccinated and protect their loved ones and family members, um, versus uh, you know, also trying to be ambiguous and be the you know alternative dude bro that he is sometimes. Um, that's cowardly, like. Like, pick one and run with it. I, I wouldn't like it if he was openly unvaccinated, but I would like it better than having a, a guy lie to my face about it and then having a surprise, um, you know, missed game pop up. Uh, that's that's very, very obnoxious. So.
there are going to be those who say that he should be entitled to lie because it, it is it is in fact for athletes a no-win situation. I mean, the winning would be just get vaccinated and then you don't have to worry about it. But yeah. you know, that's that's a moral issue uh, and, and something I feel very strongly about. But athletes, if you're looking at it objectively, if they decline to answer those questions, it is assumed that they are not vaccinated. It is almost a condemnation that they are not vaccinated. And half the population at the very least, in fact, probably slightly more than half, mm-hmm. will view that person as a problem and absolutely a, a risk to the team succeeding because he could get his teammates sick. That is all true. He could miss games. That is going to happen and and, and cause, you know, cause the Packers to lose games. He, he'd rather do that then increases chances of getting of getting healthy i mean we've, we've said this before so there's that if you answer affirmatively you know then sure you could be lying and and that and that sucks but like athletes are in a rock and a hard place where they can't be fully truthful and expect if they are fully truthful they know they're going to get blowback many athletes are comfortable with that they don't care kirk cousins does not care nope. aaron Rodgers, we've seen over the years he does care and so I'm sure there are going to be many who feel that lying was his only way out. Or, you know, again, they're not going to say if you don't <laughs> want to call it lying, being just completely deceitful was his way out. So, I mean, you could take that or leave that. And it, 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 there are going to be people who say he owes us nothing. He doesn't he doesn't have to disclose his health information. He doesn't have to have what is recommended by a doctor to to do his job and to, you know, to be an athlete that people look up to. There are going to be people who say that I, I am not one of those people, but uh it is it, it is a difficult spot. That's the best. That's the the most generous I can be to Aaron Rodgers here is but, that this is this is a tough call and he doesn't necessarily owe it to tell the truth, but then he has to live with the consequences of that he's a liar. Yeah, it, and that's very deferential. Uh, I mean, the f- fact of the matter is that um, you get asked a question and you can either live with the consequences of your decision or live the, with the consequences of your lying or just do the right thing and. I got no sympathy for either one of the back two, um, and this is this is di- like I don't like it when this particular issue is lumped in with other health things. If Aaron Rodgers has a concussion or a sprained knee or anything like that and lies about it, there is no harm done to anybody um, at all. If Aaron Rodgers has COVID nineteen and goes to a Halloween party, uh, densely populated one or um, has stands in a closed room with lots of reporters um, speaking loudly unmasked, um, that has negative consequences to those people. Uh, and you, I think, are morally obligated to disclose that you're unvaccinated in a scenario like that because you can do real harm to people. I mean, not every reporter is a spring chicken. There's, there's old guys in that room. There's, there are people around Aaron Rodgers with some routine who are in that uh, classification that is routinely harmed badly by getting COVID-19. So um, you, you, just, you can't be doing that. Uh, hiding this is not the same as other... In- this is not normal health information. In a pandemic, dealing with a contagious disease, uh, privacy is different than it is with other things that afflict you because um, it afflicts other people. It uh, not to bring this into it, because I would I use this analogy and then something happened that brought this analogy to the forefront. But um, the vaccine thing is um, a little bit like drunk driving. Uh, if you get in a car, if you get behind a wheel of a car and you're drunk, you won't maybe won't kill somebody, but your odds go up of killing somebody. Um, if you don't drink, your odds go way down of killing somebody. Um, 
the argument uh, that you get all the time from anti-vaxxers is, well, it doesn't prevent the spread. It doesn't prevent people getting sick. Devontae Adams, he got he is vaccinated and he got COVID-19. Yeah, that's true. But we have giant, huge statistics, and it reduces your odds of hurting other people drastically and of yourself drastically. And we know this because we study these things, and this is all public information at this point. So yeah. um, it's, it's ridiculous. It's a very selfish act by Rogers, but it's not even really selfish because he hurts himself by doing it too. Yeah, and obviously, I, I, I know the Henry Ruggs situation is top of mind. No one thinks this is that that bad because Henry Ruggs did kill somebody, and yep. that's that sucks, and he got released, and he is going to live with that for the rest of his life. He's going to face legal consequences, of course. That's that's not what this is. Uh, I, I, would, I would also probably argue it's not as bad as the Ryan Braun situation from over, well, not over, but a decade ago, because he he lied in no uncertain terms and made it very clear and, and brought some collateral damage with him. He did. Uh, but... But PEDs aren't hurting anybody else. You know, like he wanted to get an advantage. Yes, deceitful, terrible. I, it definitely lost a portion of the fan base. I don't think Aaron Rodgers will lose quite that significant a portion of the fan base because of this action. However, <laughs> like you said, this deceitful action could directly hurt somebody yeah. else. And, and the thing is, we will never know that. We will never know if he infects somebody who is weaker and who winds up getting hospitalized because of it. I mean, the, the reporters who are in that room are masked, for example. They are distant from the podium. There's, you know, there are some mitigation efforts going on. There is a, I would say, decent chance nobody gets hurt and it's fine. Much like when many people drive drunk, they get home safely. Exactly. You know, like that's it's, it's all about a percentage increase here. And, and the fact is he he took it upon himself to increase the percentage of harm to people around him that he did. So we should probably move, move on to the, uh, well, not move on. Cause this is a fascinating topic. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's so many layers to this, like how it was able to be kept quiet, the fallout of how, how teammates look at him. I mean, we talked about with Kirk cousins, how when your leader isn't leading, you know, isn't, isn't practicing what we consider to be the virtuous path or the good path. It's, it's, you're not going to see people follow it. And you got to think there are people on that team that are, frustrated that Aaron Rodgers gets special treatment that he was able to live under the 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 I don't know what the term is auspices of right of like having been vaccinated that's wild to me if you're Alan Lazard and you're doing I mean not to make Alan Lazard anything of a hero because he's not but if you're Alan Lazard and you're unvaccinated and you miss a game because of close contact and you're doing all of your interviews via zoom because you're adhering to the rules and you're having to wear the masks all the time and adhere to the very strict rules about where you can go and what you can do and then you see Aaron doing press conferences, no mask, walking around. No, like that's that's got to rub you the wrong way. Um, uh, like I, I I would be mad about that. Um, and like I don't necessarily even want to get the the backing of the anti-vax group in the team. But realistically speaking, we know a lot of the Packers were not vaccinated, and seeing Aaron get special treatment probably makes them mad, and it probably makes the people who have gotten vaccinated and done the right thing and would like to win this game against Kansas City even matter. So it's not good for the locker room. It's going to bring NFL scrutiny on the team. Um, I'm sure the coaches just hate it. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, who knows how that relationship works in, in the first place because Aaron, again, is kind of a jerk. Yeah. Um, but, like, it, it, this is bad for the locker room. It's bad for the talent on the field. It's bad for it's bad for everything. Yeah, and, and there there's, gosh, there's just so much. There's... You know, should should reporters have asked a follow up? You know, I, I I personally don't think really because there was no indication. And as as I've dug into the COVID rules, you start to realize there maybe didn't need to be an indication. Like players are allowed to be at practice if they're competing, they're allowed to be there fully unmasked. Yep. So there's not necessarily. It sounds like like we said earlier, Aaron Rodgers followed all the letter of the law in yes. the building. 
in the building. So it's not like there are it's poten- potentially there are no violations here. Now, there's this Halloween party to unpack. But, you know, he, he led everybody to believe knowing what he was doing, that he was fully compliant. He yep. was not compliant, whether or not he thinks his his method works. He wasn't compliant and he let people think he was. So that's yeah, there've got to be players who are frustrated by that and and personnel who are frustrated by that, but they don't want to they don't want to speak out because speak out against Aaron Rodgers is is doom. It would be like, you know, it's like openly suggesting the Brewers should move on from Bob Euchre or Giannis might not be the the prince charming that we've all led him to be. Like, you know, that's a third rail. You're not going to touch that. So I, yep. I, that's that's a very that's a very toxic situation. It is, and really. Matt Lafleur punted on it today. Though uh, even his response of "That's a good question for Aaron" is a little under the bus. There was throwing. an edge to it. There yep. was an edge to Definitely it. Definitely an edge to it. Aaron Jones pulled a HIPAA and just deferred <laughs> it there, which um, uh, you know what though, and and I hate that, but like. Why should these players have to answer for Aaron Rodgers? Yep. You know, I, I, it's not that's not on them. It's it's more annoying when it's for their own status than in this case. I'm kind of like it's the same as a I don't want to talk about that, which is mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, so. no comment. Fine, <laughs> it's fine. You don't want to tick people off with the whole no comment. Fine, but like, folks, HIPAA only applies to medical professionals. If you are not an MD, or there are others that fit the bill there, but if you are not a doctor, you do not get to invoke HIPAA like it's the Fifth Amendment. Okay, yep. just just don't. But whatever, that's fine. That's fine for Aaron Jones. No, no problem there. Okay, so Jordan Love is going to be quarterbacking against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. The line has moved a full touchdown. Sure did. No one now thinks the Packers are going to win. I actually would not rule it out because I just saw them with a very slimmed down, uh, you know, plan beat a very good Arizona Cardinals team without any receivers. They were able to pull it off. They're getting some of those receivers back. We yeah. know Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez Scantling are coming back. You know, this is. In a way, I didn't dream there could be a scenario where Jordan Love could be in a, in a situation where he he basically can do whatever, and it's not looked at as a failure. I always thought Jordan Love was in a lose lose situation. He either tanks and everyone hates him, or he's better than you know he's good enough, and people are like, well, he's still not Aaron Rodgers, you know. In this case, he can go out against the Chiefs and really just do whatever, and and he's going to be appreciated for it. It's an opportunity for him. Like everyone is going to be on his side here. Yep. So that's kind of. That's kind of awesome if we're looking for a silver lining. Um, I, I would not rule out them hanging with the Chiefs. I don't think they're going to beat the Chiefs. Like I, I just don't think they can win without Aaron Rodgers. But I, I I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think they might. I wouldn't bet on it. But the worst thing that they have working against them is it's Wednesday. And yeah. they lost prep time. Because you could definitely put up a game plan in place that plays to Jordan Love's strengths against the Chiefs. There's lots to exploit on the Chiefs' defense. But having lost two days in which to do it, is a big hit because the game plan for Aaron Rodgers with Adams back, it, not by the way, who's not back yet, um, but with people, with all the receivers back, is a lot different. And um, if, Remember, though, Devontae went out early in a week when they played on Thursday, so they just did this. Yes, also true. They did just do this. Um, but like the way to look at how to beat the Chiefs w- with Jordan Love, I think, is more of the 49ers Garoppolo plan, which usually works pretty good, even though Jimmy Garoppolo sucks. And I think the way to view victory here is how much better or worse than Jimmy Garoppolo do you think Jordan Love is? Because um, one of the things that Rodgers does that goes against plan a lot is um, you know he has a lot of latitude at the line of scrimmage. He, he, call, he checks out of plays. He runs the play clock down to get things perfectly. Um, he does his own thing a lot of the time, you know, within structure, but still his own thing. And Jordan Love's not going to do that as much. He's going to run the LaFleur plan a lot more closely. Um, that has some advantages. Uh, Rodgers is often inefficient with some of the throws he makes, trusting Adams to just generate yards. 
and Love's probably going to benefit more from his mobility. It's more trick plays. Um, and there's a, there's a path to victory there because um, the, the, the LaFleur-Shanahan offense can work pretty well with a substandard quarterback if the quarterback runs it a little more tightly. So um, it's a matter of do they have time to get that in place. Do, is the locker room just a huge mess of not paying attention and getting angry at people? Um, but uh, this is a good defense to do that against. There's a lot of ways to... Um, beat the Kansas City defense. It's, it's easy to get them out of position. They're not good at tackling. They don't cover people well. Like You can definitely scheme guys wide open, and Love just has to make throws. We also haven't seen Love with the first team very much, and certainly not with a, anything other than a vanilla game plan. So um, I, I, we, we're still in the situation where we know nothing about him. Uh, we've seen him play in the preseason, but you can't take too much away from that. With, with a fully loaded offense and running a, a, a tailored game plan against a subpar opponent, he might be able to do something. Um, it's not like Kansas City's going to stop. I mean, they, the Giants, the, the big thing here is the Giants just scored 17 points on them. Uh, so it's not like they can't stop anybody. If you run a bad offense, they'll stop you. But uh, the Packers have the tools to score points. And I think their defense is good enough, given Kansas City's struggles, to keep this game close. Yeah, and obviously the part that's missing is no secret. There's the half that is LaFleur scheming, and then there's the half where on improvisation you you trust that Aaron Rodgers can make at least at least three to five plays a game that most quarterbacks cannot make mm -hmm. you obviously won't get that with Jordan Love but you do on the other hand like you mentioned get that mobility back and uh, and maybe that's a key that they can they can exploit and and obviously the running backs just came off a really great game so we know that they're you know that they're playing at a really high level right now there's the question of David Bakhtiari coming back I would venture to guess they maybe were thinking about holding him out anyway this is an AFC game it is one of the least important games on the schedule yep. in terms of tiebreakers and everything I mean they're in a they're in a, a tightly contested battle for the top seeds so like every game is important but this is this is one you can afford and absorb so i'm guessing i would i would have to guess they just sort of slow walk david bakhtiari now i mean yeah not not that they're punting in any way shape or form we talked about punting on the arizona podcast it looks stupid like <laughs> it's a good thing they didn't do that they were bad those first two series i thought oh we're getting toward that point and they never did and it's a good thing yep. but um but you know that it's still a situation where the odds of winning are lower you might just want to let him go one more week uh, because he is so important. I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> Probably smart. We also, news that went under the radar, um, we learned that Josh Meyer had uh, knee surgery and is likely out longer than we all thought originally, though his season is not officially over yet. So, yeah, and did you see Isaac Yadam went in COVID-19 protocol Yeah, too? sure did. I totally missed that. That's so funny. It was eclipsed by the, I mean, it's not funny, but it was eclipsed by the uh, by the bigger news, of course. But uh, COVID is going through. I mean, we, we learned Kurt Bankert yesterday. Maybe we should yep. have paid attention to that and thought, oh, that's a concern. AJ, uh, AJ Green on the Cardinals also in the protocol. Oh, interesting. Wow. So this is uh it's it, it's frightening because it could easily be three more names tomorrow, even if they're vaccinated. Yep. And and that that's going to make it really tough for them to to be able to make it for Sunday. It's it's possible still if they are vaccinated, they get through with back to back 24 hour uh negative 24 hours in between negative tests. The the unvaccinated the the difference between those two, the big thing is that 10 day mandatory wait between returning to practice and games. If you are vaccinated, you only have to get two negative tests in 24 hours time. And that's it. You know, with 24 hours in between and that's it. That's why Devontae Adams maybe you know almost could play. Uh, we weren't sure for we weren't positive until basically Thursday morning that he wasn't going to play against Arizona because at least as reports have indicated, he is vaccinated. Yep. So do you think this impacts the Aaron Rodgers legacy? And if so, how how bad or 
you know, what, what do you think long term? I know, I know, we're not going to love him as much. But... I think uh, it it will polarize people on him even more because um, it, it's you can kind of pretend a guy isn't a jerk for a long time if he's a great player, um, but eventually jerks always kind of reveal themselves to be jerks, and it, so, it, amongst a certain segment of the fan base, this will probably make him more popular. Um, th- those those folks exist, um, but. That's, I think, the main the main thing that's going to happen here is his legacy is going to be split amongst people who are like, uh, he was always a jerk. I'm glad he, you know, he was good for the team, but I, I don't miss him. And a bunch of people will be like, ah, he, he did his own thing. I like that about him. And uh, yeah, so uh, it was, I think, univer- Rodgers had pretty universal love for a lot of his career. And I, that ship has sailed. That's not happening anymore. Yeah, and, and obviously this has been brought up before that he's a guy who's sensitive and doesn't... Uh you know, he wants, wants his fans to love him. And honestly, I feel like that's a pretty traditional need or, or preference. Yep. Certainly. Um, this certainly sounds like that's what's happening. He didn't want, he both wanted to to not have to take the vaccine and also didn't want his fans to judge him for it. And so he, that's, that's where the misdirection comes in. And, you know, because, because that, you know, lying in that press conference again, has no real tangible effect. The NFL knew he wasn't vaccinated. Surely the team did too. So it's not like, him, you know, the only thing that preserves is the court of public opinion. That's the only thing that really matters in that case, you know, unless unless we do find out he was lying in certain other circumstances and then not following protocols. But we haven't we haven't learned that part of it yet. So yeah. he purely just didn't want people to think less of him. And, you know, in, in some sense, like, again, I, I, I understand that. I understand that 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 impulse. But when you're a leader of a team and this visible, I, I think you're just, yes, you're put in a bad situation where you sort of have to, I don't want to say pick a side, but you sort of have to choose your path. Yep. And, uh, and for all to see, that's, that's sort of the nature of being a public figure like that. And uh, he, he tried to try to hide it for as long as he could, I guess. That's, that seems to be the case. So, yeah. I mean, my hope now is that love comes in and just blows the doors off of the Chiefs. I don't think it'll happen, but um, <laughs> what I would like to develop out of this is a quarterback controversy. Um, and uh, I, I mean, oh man, that is wishful thinking. They won't. They won't. I mean, they won't go away from Rodgers, even if he blights up the Chiefs because the Chiefs are bad. But what I want is the underlying understanding of, oh, maybe he's better than we all thought, and Rodgers having that in his head for the whole rest of the year. That's uh, that's what I would like to see happen. Now. Is it 2007? I'm trying to think this Cowboys game that Aaron Rodgers came in because Brett Favre had a concussion and he played very, very well. I believe ultimately, though, got hurt himself. He broke his leg in that game. Yeah. Yes. So so that's a loss in late 2007. That's the season that the Packers, that's Brett Favre's last season. It ends in the NFC Championship game at Lambeau against the New York Giants. Uh, Rodgers went 18 of 26, 201 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. I mean, that was sort of a. That was a, a mini landmark moment in Aaron Rodgers' career where it was like, oh, you know, he's 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 not bad. I mean, he's 20. He's just 23 years old at that point. And, uh, you know, you got to see, OK, well, they held in against a very good team on the road without Brett Favre in the middle, you know, goes out early in the game and they were able to hold it together. That was uh, that was definitely a memory that I have. And maybe maybe we see something similar out of Jordan Love. He's not even going to be thrown quite into the fire as badly as Rodgers was because true. He's they do have a time. few days. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So uh, that would be amazing. I don't I mean, I envision the quarterback controversy will manifest itself such as Rodgers comes back, but then there is less consternation about him leaving the franchise after the season. That's kind of yep. that's kind of how I think that manifests. It's certainly not going to be a question of who plays if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, but uh, but it, it would it would certainly be interesting if he shows up and is like actually pretty good. My guess is he's somewhere in between. He's not terrible. Probably. He's not great. Yeah, but he's fine. He's doable. 
Hope I think that's probably what you land on too. Yeah. All right. All right. Emergent have we done an emergency reporting as eligible before? I don't think we have. I think this is unprecedented, which is kind <laughs> of insane given how crazy this whole thing yeah. has been. All right. Yeah, we should have done one after the NFC championship loss, probably. Yeah, but... probably so. Oh, but well. you've got to find time to. All right. Well, um that is that on Aaron. Um, it, I, I will probably be re, whatever feed you get this on, it'll be either stitched to the big pot or independent or whatever, but it'll be out there. Uh, and, uh, well, it'll be an interesting game on Sunday. Nothing else. I don't, I don't know if I, I, don't, know if, I don't know if I want to say enjoy the game. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of fascinated now. Like this game, uh, this game had my interest for sure, but now it definitely has my attention. Yep. Uh-huh. Totally. So, uh, also there will be mini pod later this week, breaking down the actual like strategy and stuff in that game. <laughs> <laughs> Which Please, is, and, and and a fun tech mobile simulation where Aaron Rodgers is benched. So we got all that to look forward to later. Uh, nice, nice. All right, have a nice we'll rest it. of the week and enjoy the game on Sunday. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Reporting is Eligible. This episode between the Cardinals and Chiefs game. And all the stuff we just talked about before the podcast started recording was way better than the podcast is going to be. <laughs> so um, we'll, 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 try, we'll try and do well, but... Uh, uh, pre-show would have been excellent so um anyway really quick before we get started in earnest uh we are raffling stuff off this friday if you join our patreon at patreon.com slash mke tailgates at the five dollar level and above i got five shirts to give away i got two we own you aaron Rodgers shirts with nflpa approval i got two reporting as eligible t-shirts and i have a reporting as eligible hoodie that matt is wearing right now and is a beautiful piece of clothing um, oh, also, fun fact about the hoodies on the inside of the pocket, there is a hole so you can wear headphones that go down and then into the pocket for your thing that might still have a, a three millimeter jack. So and- if you're if you're a child in the 1950s and trying to listen to the World Series on a transistor radio in class, you should buy one of these immediately because it will be your best friend. 
this this hoodie was picked out by our sponsor appleton coffee company and steve would never steer us wrong but he is also secretly a 150 year old man all right that makes sense Um, he got his he got his portable phonograph at the chicago world's fair in 1922 so also apparently we're doing a jr (laughs) apparently doing a jr shtick this week but uh um really quick what all all right we're not doing a jr shtick this week you just said what my toddler is out of bed i'm mad you can call the tub and i need to go put her back down Matt needs to go put his daughter down to bed he introduced himself already it's gonna be the opposite of our normal shtick where matt introduces himself and then doesn't talk for half an hour hey may (laughs) this is the worst intro ever but matt's Matt's toddler just walked out because we're on camera but after his dog walked out and was like stalking around the kitchen doing gross dog things so um, it's already been hilarious really quick though Matt will eventually be back and we're also uh, Matt was on the carry the G podcast this week which is Aaron Nagler and Corey Benke's podcast where they have in random other people who have podcasts Uh, Matt was on with uh, AJ Dillon's also on the podcast every week which is a good get by them because AJ Dillon is hilarious and uh, Matt was on that one alone because all the other podcasters bailed until the end, which we won't talk about, but Matt was great. And so you should go listen to it. We're going to stitch three minutes into the middle of this right before questions. And uh, Matt did a phenomenal job talking to AJ Dillon. He got a bunch of laughs out of him and uh, just did a, a really, like I would, I am here to do statistics. I can never talk to players. It would just be awkward and, and bad. Uh, Matt was absolutely phenomenal talking to the Packers backup running back. So we'll stitch that in here too. What a great thing to come back to. Thank you. <laughs> You are... Just sit back down and I'm here. Matt's so good. <laughs> You're very welcome. And uh, so before we get to the Arizona, did anybody else besides me get Bitcoin from Aaron? No, dude. I don't even I don't even I don't even know how my regular coin works. <laughs> I, to, I the just... <laughs> to the moon. To the moon. One of the weirdest promotions ever because um, I'll often just throw my hat into the ring on stuff like that just just to see. Because I always assume it's not anything; it's a scam or whatever. But like within within like five minutes of me doing it, I had ten bucks from Aaron Rodgers. So, so um, <laughs> I know, I, including myself, about ten people who responded, and I would say you would be number six that got a ten dollars. Yeah, it was pretty high. Prof- uh, some people got a hundred too. I saw some of those flying. So around. it's actually it was um, it was a set amount of Bitcoin that was supposed to be roughly ten dollars. So some people got like 970 and some people got 1050 and like, but they all got 0.00016 Bitcoin, I think was the, was all right. the amount. Also, Aaron liking Bitcoin is like the least, int- or the least um, surprising thing so, ever. He is, he is the quintessential Bitcoin bro, I feel can, like. Can we all admit that his, his Halloween costume was A, not good and B, not worth having that haircut? I, I think it was okay. I, kinda- I think it was I think it was good actually with the with the I dog would, Preston Smith's dog. Yeah, I actually, why why didn't you like it? I, I'm interested to hear because I, I didn't like the build up personally. Like that, uh, it yeah, wasn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't like the build also, up. But, but if Aaron Rodgers just if I had a party and Aaron Rodgers was just Aaron Rodgers and showed up dressed as John Wick, I think I think that's pretty good. Like, it, okay, so but then like the dog thing was cool, the whatever. But every picture of him like at the party pointing a gun and all that like trying to be a badass like the point of john wick is that he's he just is he exists okay that's he's, a good he's, point he's so, in the state of being aaron Rodgers was trying so hard you can't try and, to be john wick that's a good point john yeah. wick. okay I on the you. other hand if you're not pointing a gun now granted i'm not crazy about guns in general i'm one of those people who just really prefer not 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 have them in any circumstance but with you, you I mean, wearing a suit with long, ugly hair, I, that's just Aaron Rodgers in a suit with long, ugly hair. <laughs> also true. 
Good there have to, to be some markers that indicate he's avenging his dog's death or something. You right? sound like my wife. <laughs> so okay. For the for the unaware, every single game that my wife watches with me, she spends the entire time roasting Aaron Rodgers. Um, <laughs> I have literally gained a hundred followers on Twitter in the oh, last three weeks. That's who told me specifically. They're just there for my wife's takes. Watching a Packer game with your wife is probably so much better than watching a Packer game with me is. That, that's <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I would like the, the juxtaposition of the two of like, like Paul's like, yeah, you know, like uh, the you can't advance a fumble in the fourth quarter. And <laughs> it happened to the Packers when it ended up being a safety because Eddie Lacy picked up a fumble. And then over here, my wife is like, I remember Eddie. He was a nice boy. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I think you both make good points. Um, and Aaron, I think it looked like John Wick, but you're right. If if you didn't have the gun, it would just look like Aaron Rodgers like cut himself shaving, and that's it's, not it's a, the Alanis Morissette paradox. Yeah, it's <laughs> the gun makes him trying too hard, but it doesn't exist without the gun. Very much like the song "Ironic" has nothing ironic in it, which in and of itself is ironic, but itself irony negates itself irony. It's it's paradox. It's brilliant. It's what a wonderful album. Yes. Love 1996, 97. Great time. Thank goodness Dave Coulier <laughs> so, made her so mad. <laughs> so anyway, let's talk about Arizona. Yes. Let's. <laughs> I love most of these. Po- oh, by the way, I'm J.R. Radcliffe. For <laughs> the Milwaukee Journal. <laughs> In urban Wauwatosa. It that was unintentional. Oh, it was so perfect. good. Oh, that's funny. Inverse. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I love how most of these, they usually start with a beef of some kind. Usually you're mad at the bears yep. or you're mad at something random. Uh-huh. And today, uh, today is no different. You have something right here at the very tippy top that yeah. you want to, uh, that you want to get off your chest. Let's do it. Okay. I'm mad at, I'm mad at Ben Baldwin, who is, when aren't you mad at Ben Baldwin? Well, sometimes, <laughs> so he goes out of his way to make you make, be mad at him, which is and you know, like, uh, ben Baldwin is a shitty advocate for sabermetrics. He, he just is. He goes out of his way to make people mad. He ad- he tries to advance his... He's good at math and R and statistical stuff. He's just not good at communicating. And then he makes fun of people who make fun of him for having a bad tone. But here's why Ben is stupid this week. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's statistical. So... Uh, ben Baldwin. We need a bump for this. Here's yeah. why Ben is stupid. You should. I'll try and record something. I got, I got, I got this to make a theme song later. So uh, <laughs> he holds up. An you have M- a keyboard. An, yeah, it's an keyboard. M Audio MIDI driver. Yeah, yeah. I got. I actually have it written in like um, treble clef and stuff. Just gotta record it. Um, see, I'm I'm doing work over here. Ben's just whining about the Packers. Um, so it just dawned on me that when you do those parody songs, you actually play the music. To no, them. I, I do a little dust up on things. I, I do not. I, I, I will because but I just p- people, my music, my non-music career. I, I did write a theme song for the podcast because this is syndicated on IP Packing Company and I can't use copyrighted music when I have it on IP Packing Company like I always used to. And so I was like, oh, I have a theme song like written. I just have to record it. And I was like going to pay a guy on Fiverr to do it. And then I was like, no, I don't like how people sound like maybe I'll ask Matt to do it. Like, I don't want, Matt's got a little kid. I don't want to do that. Like I, 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 I can read music and play stuff. I'll just do it myself. So that's all right. Digression over back to Ben Baldwin. So, so anyway, Ben Baldwin. <laughs> so anyway, um, Ben Baldwin has basically made like half of his career out of ripping on Aaron Rodgers and saying that Aaron Rodgers isn't as good as people think he is. And, but we should mention Ben Wal- Ben Walden's been wrong about this like the whole time. Uh, he used to say Mike McCarthy never did anything wrong. Pretty clearly, Mike McCarthy did a lot of stuff wrong. Um, and he came out of this game when people were saying like, "Oh, Aaron Rodgers played a great game. Maybe he should be in the MVP conversation." Saying, "Well, oh, Aaron wasn't actually that good in this game. His EPA per play wasn't that good." And blah 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 blah. And, and, and 
without any context. And like most of Sabermetrics is adding context to things, like adding a weighting in for the quality of the opponent. Arizona, of course, being excellent at defense and offense. Um, and adding in context for injuries, like with Football Outsiders' AGL statistic. And saying Aaron Rodgers was bad in this game is idiotic. Your stats might say he wasn't like, blow the doors off of you good. But he was missing Devontae Adams and MVS and Alan Lazard. And for half the game, Robert Tanyan and uh, David Bakhtiari. Like, what I would love to ask Ben Baldwin, and I might do it later on Twitter. What do you think Aaron Rodgers should have done in this game to have good stats? Do you think he should have targeted Juwan Winfrey deep a few times? Is that a good idea? Do you think that would have been smart? Like, do, do you think. Like, uh, like Equinemius St. Brown should have run a bunch of mesh plays for 25-year gains? Is it like, you think that would have been a good idea? Like, tell me, Ben, what, what could Aaron have done in this game to perform better than he did? Um, it, so, anyway, I, I, Ben Baldwin was being stupid and pedantic about EPA per play. Aaron Rodgers played, I think, a brilliant game. There's only one big mistake I can really put on him. And it, uh, you know, they won. It didn't end up costing him. Um, but... Like their game plan was smart, and it's it's ridiculous that anybody would say that Aaron Rodgers had anything other than a brilliant game against Arizona. So a- end of rant. Um, s- sick of sick of that nonsense. Did he you does see- have a little bit of a of a like you mentioned a thing for Aaron Rodgers. He does which makes me always question a little bit like Skip Bayless except yeah. smart. <laughs> no, I was gonna say he, I was gonna say he's like Mike Florio except smart. That, Either one works. All fair. One works. Same thing. Yeah. Um, same. Did, did you guys see him go after Washington today? I did. He's been doing that all season too, and that and like, it, so uh, I mean, a little more credence to this one because um, oh, they they flipped on Washington though. Like, uh, the thing that they've always been picking on Washington is is defense is not consistent from year to year, and I think we see that with the Packers a little bit this year, to be honest. Like Washington had a good defense last year, third in DVOA, and a lot of people picked them to be good this year based on their defense, and defenses are notoriously fickle. Like this is why the Bears tend to not be able to put sustained success together they're often built around defense and you know it's very different being the top 10 defense versus the number one defense and you know that's how they kind of float around and Washington's kind of the same way this year so but yeah the Washington he put on blast for being the best blocking line in football this week which they as are as well as as well as the best defensive line in football yes uh, he's basically saying they're good in the trenches but still not good and like okay fine yeah you're right. That's maybe not the the end all be all of a team, but they're playing Taylor Henneke at quarterback, and it's not like it's not like the laity out there in football thinks that having a bad quarterback is overcomable by having good trench play. So, again, what, was, your point is stupid. Like I was today years old when I heard the word laity. laity. For the first time. <laughs> I've heard it. I know it, but I love the application. I'm I'm in awe. This is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming this is the the conglomerate laymen yes yes yeah okay. it's okay. It, i would people. say mostly it mostly used in in catholic parlance to refer to those not of the clergy not catholic ah. here but can speak catholic fluently um, but the was, whole point is <laughs> i was the whole raised point is, he is speaking thinking that that is like the co- common knowledge that like if you're good in the trenches you're just a good team yeah. and i don't I, like no, you're saying, it, 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 no one thinks that yeah you're back, they're playing with the back of quarterback no one thinks they're going to be good like no one was like oh washington's going to be good with their back of quarterback a lot of people were like oh they might be okay with ryan fitzpatrick being halfway decent maybe that's not a bad plan but that's not what's happening in washington they're playing <laughs> with a backup quarterback <laughs> 
Uh, Furthermore, so, offensive linemen aren't stars. Like if the if we wouldn't fixate on receivers and running backs if we actually thought that the trenches was the difference maker on a team. Also, no one would know that their offensive line is any good except for advanced stats tracking pass block and run block win rate. Like that that's the only reason anybody nobody does know they're good except for Ben Baldwin and other nerds. Like ever, nobody <laughs> thinks Washington's line's any good because they're a bad team. It's nice that we can give them credits, even though it doesn't show up in the win column. We uh, spent a lot of time talking about Washington. In, in other news of, of nerds and dorks and Ben Baldwin, um, Pete Carroll mentioned DVOA in an interview this week. He did. And, so, and positively. Win um, for the nerds. Good for Pete. Also bad for Ben Baldwin, who hates... I, I also think Pete Carroll's a bad coach. But but Pete Carroll might be learning, and we should give him credit I for think, that. I think Pete Carroll, very much like Mike McCarthy, was a good coach for his era and now needs to be put out to pass. Yeah, Yeah, I would agree with that. Packers are going to get to see Pete Carroll here in a couple of weeks and yeah. Russell Wilson watches on. He's got the pin out of his finger. So we'll see about that. Not clear when he's coming back, but that'll certainly change things up. Um, I, you know, I think it was you who really opened my eyes to the fact that JJ Watt might be a difference maker here Yeah. in this game. Like I know he's having a, a fine year, a good year. And, uh, but also I know he's not the player he used to be. So I thought, well, if JJ Watt is, is not in the game, that's not going to be a huge deal, well, but. Something that I thought was really interesting that I wish it would have stood the uh, Aaron Jones touchdown that was called back uh, without definitive evidence. Yeah. Um, he cut to where JJ Watt would have been. He did. He did. I still think he got in on that one, but not the first one. Yeah. But, but the, fir- I, by the way, I, I spent a lot of time on that first one because there's like a frame missing where I think it probably was in, but you can't see it, but it doesn't matter because that would have been first and goal from the one, even if he stopped short. So he, yeah. they still probably would have scored. Um, I think he did not make it in on the one that was overturned by just like extrapolation of physics, the way mm. that was headed, but there is no evidence. Like, it's just, there's no evidence. You can't tell. I can't believe they overturned it. Yeah, All I right. can't believe Paul, they did Paul either. Noonan, Dork Esquire. Yeah. What say you, uh, without a reasonable shadow of a doubt, what's the what's It's the reasonable. Term? Well, um, without uh, indisputable visual evidence is the NFL standard, and certainly not, not there. Um, and I don't even think it was, like, preponderance. Uh, I think that, which is just 50-50, <laughs> like... Um, I think you could make a, a de- I, I think he got in by just uh, like a millimeter or two. And I, I think you can make a decent argument that he didn't get in, but it was very close to the, there's no way you should overturn the call on the field. Like no. there's a guy down there actually looking down the line. And by the way, uh, also worth noting, I don't think the camera angle, if you've gone on um, a game pass to look at this is exactly down the line either. Uh, so um, you, you have some parallax to deal with. Which is just another reason to not overturn it. Like you, you don't have an exact down the line shot. It is slightly off, and I think. He, but whatever. Um, fact of the matter is this: uh, mini pod this week was excellent because, yeah, JJ Watt's not there, and while he is a very good pass rusher, what he really does is make the middle of the Cardinal defense really, really, full, really good. And they were vulnerable without him, and the Packers capitalized on it. They pounded them up the middle. Um, A.J. Dillon, in particular, just mauled everybody who was in front of him, especially after contact. They had nobody who could who could deal with him, and that was a good way to attack them. It worked really well. I feel like, in general, this was just a, a ridiculous game for the running backs because so much of what Dillon and Jones did came after contact. They just were oh. relentless. So what What my new very close personal friend, A.J. Dillon, said to me <laughs> Uh, I should say, uh, AJ AJ was uh, streaming on Twitch today, and he recognized and acknowledged my presence in the Twitch stream. So obviously, Good things work. are serious nicely, now. Nicely done. <laughs> uh, 
So he's, he said that um, when he was in high school, he had a coach tell him, he said, you absolutely cannot go down on first contact. And he said, yes, sir. Like, and, and he's like, that has been like his mantra. <laughs> the rest of his career is you can't go down on first contact. Do you think, Paul, that that because Watt was out, they, they maybe made some changes that Lafleur recognized that? Or do you think that was just that was the direction they were going to have to go anyway? It maybe was the direction they would have to go anyway, just because there were no re- receivers. But OK, what's your theory? I have a theory that, that that game plan was installed as a backup and they were not going to use it. And then the moment that they found out they wouldn't have Lazard, Lazard because yeah. of the day five rule, sure. they went shit <laughs> and then back to, well, run it down their throat. You might be right about that because I do think it was a little bit of a surprise that they that he wasn't going to quite make the cutoff. Um, this is what, one where a Thursday game really impacted things. They they maybe had Lazard and they maybe had all three of them if this game is on Sunday, but they certainly had a couple of them. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, I, I think you might be right about that. I mean, the situation forced them to run more than they otherwise would, but Watt opened that up too. I mean, you can want to run all you want, but if you get stoned at the line a whole bunch, you're going to have to resort to passing to sub-par receivers anyway. And, you know, once you have A.J. Dillon mowing people over up the middle, uh, you stick with it. And you have Aaron Jones, you know, doing pretty well, also catching, doing very well in the passing game. Aaron Jones was, to, to some extent, the whole passing game. People kept getting hurt when they started becoming effective. He was good there, too. <laughs> Oh, I, I thought you were going to bust out another $5 word. Like Aaron Jones was incendiary in the passing. <laughs> it wasn't that. Uh, it, it, if he would have caught that one um, uh, nine ball, nine routes on, on the right side of the field that hit yeah. him in the hands, then you get incendiary. But um, instead, that was, uh, that was a good defensive play. It was, it was, it would have been a really good catch. It was a hard well, catch. Also for... it was, so you, you see, I think it was a wheel, but regardless, he's he's running straight up yeah. the sidelines as fast as he can. Um, you see Aaron Jones manned up against a linebacker. You're going to throw that nine times out of 10. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that he's running against a nine, nine, seven Raz yeah. uh, inside linebacker. Who's actually just a safety playing inside linebacker. Like it happens. Yeah. He did mm-hmm. a good job and it was a hard catch. If you would have made it kudos to him, but I don't blame him too much for that's a, not a running back catch. That's a wide receiver catch. Right. Sensational throw though. Yeah, by great throw. Aaron Fantastic throw. And then Randall Cobb shows up because once they get down to the red zone, which has been a <laughs> little bit of a struggle this year. He had like three catches for 15 yards and two touchdowns. Yep. <laughs> and probably should have had, I can't remember if the one he dropped, he played into another one of his, but he dropped one. I want, that's the, that's the sequence where they wound up getting stuffed on fourth down. Uh, he had an opportunity on that sequence where he could have caught it. It was, he was defended, but he should have had it. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. It, it hit him in the hands and he should have held on to it. But I do really, I've started appreciating uh, both him around the goal line more than I ever did before because he really does create space great. And uh, it makes me almost appreciate Devontae Adams a little more, um, who is kind of like just an uber slot receiver to some extent. Like he kind of does what Cobb does, but just like twice as good. And Cobb is sort of replacing that part of the Adams game when they get close, just that that tight space. uh, I'm just good and shifty and can get open for a second and Rogers knows me so well. That's good enough. Um, it's it's really neat to see. He's almost like a mini tight end down there. <laughs> and uh, it's a uh, it, it's cool. I, I'm glad Randall Cobb is back because he definitely has added goal line value that would be missing more with Adams out. This has got to be his best year since he left. Because I don't remember him in Dallas having a better year than this. He's been good on on uh, per play metrics, even outside of Green Bay. So okay, but uh, what about something like uh, like a 
like a volume advanced stat, like like yards DYAR. per route run. Not as good, but he's not that. I mean, he only had 15 yards in this game. I mean, it's yeah, but I thought adjusted for. Uh, I, I guess while we talk, I will pull up Randall Cobb's career <laughs> splits on DYAR. So. so as good as Randall Cobb was, that's as bad as Equinemius St. Brown was. <laughs> that that is a great pull, and maybe the best Family Guy quote um, of all time. That's What's what you, that? you wait. That's not what you were referencing. That's not what I was referencing. Oh my goodness! Uh, it's a it my, like my only Family Guy quote I like. It's um, it, randomly saying like, "Oh, that's you're worse at that than Tim McCarver is at at announcing baseball." And I can't <laughs> do the quote off the top of my head, but it's like, "As good as the Yankees were, that's as bad as the Orioles were at this play." <laughs> Uh, so I did. I did recently use a Family Guy reference to uh, Josh Cohen. He's a producer for NFL and CBS. Yeah, he is. And for some, for some reason, he's part of Packers Twitter. Um, he's he's a fun guy. So he was making fun of the Rams for not having any picks at all, and which they I, don't I, because they yeah, traded. I, they traded for um, uh, who they trade for? Help me, Von out. Miller. Von, Von Miller. Miller. Thank you. Um, they're also turns out they're getting five comp picks this year, so that's part of their ah that's part of their their strategy. Smart. I, ju- I literally just found that out like minutes ago, um, because, because the GM, what's his name? Uh, I don't know Sneed. the GM of it's the Rams. Like, I'm sorry. Like I, I want to say Sneed. That just doesn't seem right. Uh, anyway, his his children bought him a mug that says "fuck them picks." <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, and then he had to explain to them that that they were getting five comp picks that year. Anyway, um, so I, I was like, I was like, yeah, it's the Family Guy boat versus mystery box thing, right? Like, like a draft pick, <laughs> a dra- <laughs> like a pass rusher. Okay, is that's a, pass a good rusher, one too. Yes, but a draft pick could be anything, even a even pass, a pass rusher. rusher. <laughs> My two Family Guy things, real quick. There is an announcer, I will not say who, a local local media who once asked Eddie Lacy what his favorite show was, uh, and Eddie Lacy said Family Guy on a preseason broadcast. And clearly the announcer had no idea what he was talking about. Family Guy was at the height of its popularity at this point. Uh, it was very funny. But the quote I always go back to is uh, Stewie saying how he wants his ice cream and no sprinkles. And For no every sprinkles. sprinkle I find, I shall kill you. <laughs> That's all I got. All right. Also good. I, I just looked up this interview and it was not who I thought it was going to be. <laughs> who is it? Oh, I see. Yeah, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Yeah. But... Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not that way. Um, anyway, back to the goal line, because we were talking about Randall Cobb at the goal line. Yes. This yeah, is also the where the Packers hemorrhaged some timeouts on this drive, or uh, or even earlier, I feel like, in the second half. The timeouts were just kind of getting thrown uh. away like garbage in this game, and I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure what's going on with that, other than, I mean, this is a game... <laughs> This is a game that came down to one possession. You're going to use that timeout, but uh, well, I don't know, man. Something over at, at APC, we're blaming Josiah DeGuara. So, oh, well, because he re- yes, but that's not even the problem. It was a place, several plays earlier where they decided that they would use, burn the timeout where they could just take the five yards. My God, five yards is not an eternity. So my, I think my most famous online moment is a piece I wrote about wasted timeouts in 2018. Um, and Aaron in particular, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a thing he does. Um, I, by the way, I, I had a segment um, on the NFL Network's morning show based on this article, um, uh, and on Good Morning Football, which uh, I, you can find on my Twitter account. But uh, the the thing is, Matt Lafleur's 
calls take a long time to implement. And Aaron Rodgers likes to take the play clock down far so that he can see what the defense is doing. And those two things combined give them no margin for error. And the reason this game was particularly bad is because nobody playing on the field was experienced in knowing where they were supposed to be. So DeGuerra is the big one. We saw it happen with him being in the wrong spot. And also, you've been on the team for two years. Get in the right spot. But like Juwan Winfrey doesn't know where he's supposed to be. And Equinemius doesn't really know where he's supposed to be. So you usually have no margin for error here. And you count on the experienced receiver's going where they're supposed to be you got all these guys running around like chickens with their heads cut off and there's no time to fix it so it was just it's going to be a disaster until they get everybody back it it could be worse did you see what happened with the dolphins no i don't watch dolphins games because the dolphins had had a situation where no one knew where the hell they were supposed to stand and their really good tight end what's his name like mike gusecki yeah yeah um he was like directing traffic and then he was supposed to go in motion. And so he's like, you stand over there. Hey, you come here. Okay. And then he goes in motion <laughs> and then the center snaps and it hits him in the side. <laughs> oh, good Lord. That's great. Yep. Are the Dolphins, the Dolphins are having a reverse Packers. They won their first game. They beat New England, of course. And then they've spiraled into a uh, death hell. They have lost their last seven games. Guys, the Packers are seven and one. Oh, my goodness. It's crazy. It's it's really also, nice to see. The Packers not at seven and one, including that week one absolute travesty, lead the league in points per drive. Yeah, they do. Per, no, per, per play, they're real good. They're, they're fourth in DVOA overall. Um, so that matches up with that. Um, by the way, I did look up Randall Cobb's um, stats. He was awful in 2018, his last year with the Packers. He was like the worst player by DVOA and not great by DYAR. <laughs> and uh, he was 33rd in 2019 with the Cowboys, which is oh, it's okay. He was 5.4% better than average. Um, he did not in 2020 have enough uh, reps to qualify for the ranking board. But he was about he, he was fifteen point eight percent better than average, which would put him up like twentieth, which is pretty good. So in Houston, he was actually quite good, just didn't catch a lot of balls. How did, nice. I, I'm trying to figure out how they won this game because Cobb, like you said, fifteen yards, two touchdowns, which is great. But John yeah. Win- Winfrey wasn't it? Uh, Equinemius, uh, I was I had high hopes after the he's Washington bad. Game. He's not it. Amari Rogers definitely not it. Boy, is that guy bad? Holy cow. Yeah, he's got a long way to go. So Ain't I, Itsville population, you bro. <laughs> <laughs> is this just? I mean, is it just the running backs? Like, is that how you, what you point to and say this was the reason the Packers were able to do enough offensively? I guess. Well, the, I guess you so. Could, you could say the running backs, like, like it wasn't just the running game because Aaron Jones had fifty-one yards receiving. He did Tanyan and, and, was good until he stopped until playing. he died. Yeah, yeah. But even on the play he died on, like that was a great catch, and um, yeah. it, you could just tell it was bad. When he ran into his defender and just didn't go anywhere, um, not a good mm-hmm. sign. So, but like Tanyan did contribute until he left the game, and that did help quite a bit. So here, here's the ta- the tale of the tape. Okay, um, Packers had 24 first downs to 22 first downs by Arizona. Mm-hmm. Packers had 335 yards to 334 yards by Arizona. <laughs> just nipped them. So those two things. Arizona had three turnovers. Yeah, that's big. And yeah. Packers had zero. Packers won the time of possession by a mile. They hit 37-35. Shout out, by the way. Oh, go ahead. Oh, they always win time of possession, though. It's but that's that is to have to have sixty six percent time of possession. It's a lot. Is, yes, <laughs> significant. Um, I did not realize that AJ Dillon was the leading rusher that game. Yeah, yeah, it's seventy six, right? Is that... Mm-hmm. Seventy. Yeah, I think seventy eight. 
ESPN has tiny print and I'm (laughs) 78. Yes. Yes. And Aaron Rodgers threw for a measly 184 yards. A lot of short passes, quick outs, pretty simple stuff. They, uh, that was their way to go. We got to talk about those turnovers because on defense, that's uh, that ends up being the story of the game. Well, let's talk about Ross Al Ghul. We have not said Razul Douglas's <laughs> which, name, which yet, is incredible. That's, unk- that's unkind of us. It is. Um, that uh, that pick was great. Uh, one of one of the better Packer moments in recent history. Just a fantastic way to end a game. And Razul Douglas has been really good since he came over from Arizona. Um, he is 17th in Pro Football Focus rankings and is. You know, uh, we've been kind of wanting an average corner opposite Alexander for a while or better, and he's clearly that, if nothing else. Uh, I mean, he may be overperforming a little bit right now, but he looks pretty good, and especially uh, tackling in in like run stopping too. Um, I feel like he brings something that they haven't had um, with King or really even with Chandon to some extent. There, um, he he can lay some wood in addition to covering pretty well. So I don't know if he's going to keep being the seventeenth best corner. For the rest of the year, but you know he's pretty good, and uh, that was, if nothing else, a good athletic feat. I mean, AJ Green screwed up by not knowing the play, but Razul Douglas, you know, could have just batted it down or just let it sail, but instead did a nice job tapping it up and grabbing it and getting feet in. It was a good athletic play by him. He deserves a ton of credit for it. I came away feeling a little conflicted on the rewatch. Yeah, he I, got I, burned a couple times. You're yeah, not and, wrong. and I mean. You never really know communication in the back in the defensive secondary who's truly to blame, I feel like. But but it's definitely in his direction, the third down conversion from the end zone that that enabled that drive to get started in the first place. And then follow up play right again. Razul Douglas is in the area. And if A.J. Green knows the ball is coming to him, if he if he runs the correct route, that's I mean, a, that, was, that was the correct route. That's a good back shoulder throw. that's a touchdown right like i mean there's a chance douglas can make the play make a play on that ball but i don't know if that's gonna happen given like where his body was kind of how it was drifting when he caught the ball i think he's probably you know i think i think that's a touchdown i think the packers lose so i'm a little conflicted (laughs) but i am also willing to surrender to what stats are seeing too i do think you're right though he was behind him and the ball got behind him but but i mean you still to make that play was incredible and then more than that like just he's an unusual guy because you don't get somebody with this much experience on a practice squad so i don't know if the packers got him in particular knowing they would play arizona you know like that obviously teams make those moves (laughs) all the time it'd be incredible it will never know but it'd be incredible if they were like, oh, Arizona's on our schedule. Let's get this guy. He seems okay. So, and uh, then they get a, a great player out of it. Basically, every tweet about Russell Douglas between 2017 and 2019 is people arguing if he is good or not. <laughs> oh, There's, there you like, go. Or, or making j- Ghostbusters jokes. Yes. That, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like Russell Douglas, like, so here's September 24th, 2017. Russell Douglas is really the man. He's looking so good for a rookie. Um, 2019. It is a horrendous Jets offense, but Russell Douglas looks good so far. Yeah. Hashtag Eagles. Um, then I, I came across one from 2020 that I absolutely love, and this is my favorite. This is from uh, a, like a real, real writer. He's a, he's a blogger such as myself, so hard to call him real. Uh, unpopular opinion, Russell Douglas is not good, and Eagle fans overrate them way too often. Huh. He's not an NFL starting cornerback. Okay. Also, JR did like your reactions column and mentioning the Ghostbusters memes because uh, yes, there were many. Of them. There were many. There is no something. There is only Sewell. Yeah. Uh, 
that is for some reason that's an that's an 80s movie uh that is a reference that endures we see that a lot or raza ghoul is, is is a more modern you know you know i'll I, allow that one i was very proud of myself i made a ghostbusters reference unrelated to him before his pick oh um what was that the picture of aaron Rodgers that is now famous and that we sell t-shirts of on <laughs> Aggie Packing Company. Um, I just posted a picture and said, I am the gatekeeper. Are you the key master? <laughs> also quite good. Because He looked like Rick Moranis there. He did. Um, yeah, the disheveled Rick Moranis. And then Rasul Douglas gets his gets his uh, his pick. And now that's the Ghostbusters meme. Few 80s movies have endured into the meme-averse like Ghostbusters has. It's uh, it's quite the feat. Especially considering how terrible Ghostbusters 2 is. Yeah, it's not great. But Ghostbusters 1 is, is a classic and, and kind of a rare classic. You don't see too many um, sci-fi comedies because they're expensive and comedy doesn't translate well. They're, it's not mm. like there's none. Like Men in Black is one and they happen once in a while, but they're pretty rare. Yeah. So... Uh, the debate about whether Razul Douglas is good does it's, it's way too early to have the same conversation. <laughs> yeah, so, about okay, Eric so, Stokes, but so Buck's Twitter likes to have do the uh, like Chris Middleton is good. Yeah, right. Yeah. Chris Middleton is good though. He's objectively I'm, good. I'm. I think that we should make a T-shirt that says Russell Douglas is good, good in, in the the obvious uh, yeah. style. Okay. Yeah. Chris Middleton is gets bagged on as being a great player that people wish were better. Razul Douglas is a is at least a little bit of an enigma. Yes. Razul Doug- Douglas is a replacement level player playing above his head. What about Eric Stokes, though? That's so, what I was going to ask about. Bad game, but we should caveat a little bit what, because Eric Stokes got burned on really the one big DeAndre Hopkins play before he kind of had to leave with a hamstring. He snuck back in a few more times, which is hilarious. Um <laughs> But yeah, I didn't even realize that. That was against coaching staff against wishes. Coach. It was. It was against coaching staff wishes. He had just oh went my back on the field. Also, people are saying that Stokes got burned on a double move. Stokes got Stokes. Stokes <laughs> got burned. God, that was hard to say. Stokes got burned by one of the most intelligent wide receivers in the league. Yeah. It wasn't a double move. It was a look back. And Stokes was playing the eyes like you're supposed to. Yes, he was. And it, so that was there, there's like four receivers in the league who make that play. Yeah, and Stokes' technique isn't great. That's one of the problems with Eric Stokes at this point. But he is still a freak athlete and does catch up. He just is also bad at tackling. So even when he caught up, it didn't matter. <laughs> so he's, he's Sam Shields. He is, we, we, we he's tall Sam Shields. Shields. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> we need, hmm. But he, he, he he's still he's still promising he just you know that's a tough situation most people are gonna get smoked by deandre hopkins he's very very good for a reason he's part of the dumbest trade in the history of football for a reason and he is also the cough cough highest paid wide receiver in the league cough, uh-huh. cough. the good news though is that if <laughs> to, because because we've we've had to flip on joe barry a little bit uh in terms of our feelings on him <laughs> a lot of players are a lot of players are improving under him. A lot of these guys like Dean Lowry are suddenly showing up every single week. Yeah. So Eric Stokes, obviously being so new to, new in his career, he's got a long way to go no matter who the D coordinator is. But uh, things are things are looking good on defense, man. I mean, Devondre Campbell's we talked he's first team all pro, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally right now. So I should mention, so we have a question about this later, and I won't steal its thunder, but it's something basically about whether we want to take back our Joe Barry podcast. Um I will point out, uh, because I'm obligated to by my, my own creed of how I operate, the Packers are only 22nd in de- defensive DVOA. They, they don't rank highly on a per-play basis. Uh, however, that said, I, I don't trust DVOA in this in this particular way. And also, um, they're missing people. They're missing 
Jair Alexander and Zedaria Smith, and they're clearly playing well enough to win games. And this it looks different than it usually does. Like this is not Mike Patton's defense where they're you could just kind of tell when they're gonna get roasted at any given point. So while I can I'll point out like yeah they're maybe not quite as good as they look because their pace is slow and there's you know um, they're, they're playing a real ball control game that helps your defense. I do think they're better. And I do think that Joe Barry is doing a good, intelligent job um, with with some personnel that I think it can be a little hard yeah, to deal yeah. with. So uh, k- kudos to him. We'll give credit where credit's due. Sorry. Also, kidding with my children and, and accidentally I just unmute there. I was just keeping talking while JR was off I, camera. I would so. I, I would also I wouldn't call Joe Barry anything other than adequate. And I think everything that we said that revolves around the way he was hired and our distaste of nepotism stands. And I mentioned this before, like part of how nepotism works is it gives people chances that other people don't get to improve. Like a lot of people, um, when they fail at things, don't get the chances Joe Barry has. And sometimes failed up. He did. And sometimes (laughs) sometimes it does work out for him. So. By the way, um, last year the Packers finished 17th in DVOA, and they're currently 22nd in DVOA. And yes, I agree the results on the field look better, and they've had a harder time of it with personnel. So uh, I will I will tell you, of course, that that stat is a little deceiving, but um, when they do start to get into it with people who play up a little bit pace-wise and maybe a little more talented on offense, don't be that surprised if they start to look quite a bit worse. And also remember, at least we're not the Jaguars because of the 0-16 Lions staff that got jobs later on. We hired their defensive coordinator. The Jaguars hired the guy who got drunk and drove naked through a Wendy's. That's true. That did happen. That is the current defensive coordinator of the Jaguars. I often wonder, the Milwaukee Bucks, when they hired Mike Budenholzer, they had... They, they were name. initially they were initially looking at Becky Hammond and there was some debate about, you know, obviously there's never been a uh, female head coach in the NBA. And I, I, I'm always of two minds because, you know, they hired Budenholzer and obviously it worked out. They won a championship. They immediately became one of the best teams in the NBA. They were they were headed in that direction. Anyway, I do find myself wondering if Becky Hammond would have been a cool hire in that spot. It would have been a trailblazing move. They they were absolutely in, in a situation where they they had kind of their their main guys. Everyone knew who they were, so they were they were situated well, no matter who the coach was, and they could have taken a risk. and And I I wonder what what the alternate history is. I mean, you can't say they made the wrong call because they won a title for the first time in fifty years. Yep. But I also feel like it would have done a lot of good. Not even for like the league in in general. It would have been great for Milwaukee. It would have been I a also, great, interesting hire. It's also interesting to think like Becky Hammond maybe would have gotten them better quicker because Budenholzer. It's possible, yeah. It's, it, maybe not. And, but Budenholzer was, uh, you know, Jason Kidd. I think we can all agree was one of the worst coaches to be coaching recently, and it's amazing he still has a job. Uh, in fact, I would say right now, Jason Kidd is kind of like the Joe Barry of the NBA, but. Um, <laughs> Mike Budenholzer, you know, he was a big step up from Jason Kidd. He clearly at least understood some basic principles of modern basketball, but his inability to change in the playoffs hurt the Bucs. It cost them, I think, at least one legitimate title run that they could have had, and a lot of people were super critical of his just complete lack of ability to adapt. And, And this season, to his credit, he got another chance, and he did adapt, and they did win a title. And so, you know, sometimes that's what happens. Uh, bad coaches don't always stay bad. Sometimes they learn and adapt and get better. And maybe that's what we have with Joe Barry, too. 
I don't know. Uh, the I was going to say something about the Cardinals. It's escaping me. Oh, um, Zach Ertz. You'd written about Zach Ertz and how he was kind of, you know, the newcomer. He's this was his was this his second game second with game, Arizona? Yeah. Uh, he seemed to be effective. And but but they offensively, man, they Kyler Murray looked not that uh, he escaped pressure a couple times, but he, he didn't seem like a difference maker. Yeah, and the well, running game got, was nothing. He got the absolute snot kicked out of him four days prior. He came in. He came in super banged up. He did. Um, and it, once Hopkins was out, uh, I do think their the receiving core became much more manageable. And um, I, I think we all kind of think of him as a guy that can create through mobility. And he's done that quite a bit this year. But in this game, they did a nice job kind of bottling him up. He did not have a huge rushing day. They got to him quite a few times. And uh, the receivers after Hopkins left were were pretty ineffective. Kirk had one big play down the field, but. Um, other than Ertz, they really didn't do anything that hurt you. Ertz kept a few huge drives going and, and actually, I think, exploited a Packer weakness a little better than um, previous opponents had. And I'd, I'd watch out for that in the future. But uh, other, like he really made a big difference for them. If they don't make that trade, I think they get blown out in this game. Hmm. Well, it's good news. Yeah. I, I cannot believe, I mean, I, I said this on the last podcast. I just had a feeling the Packers were going to win, but <laughs> that was just blind faith. There was no reason to think that they were going to win that game with, with all the guys that they had missing. And, and now, you know, we talked about the top seed is like, you don't really need to be thinking about the top seed yet, but, but you, you have to now, I mean, the Cowboys still have one loss and they're a team that they have to be concerned about. Um, By the way, the Cowboys currently own the tiebreaker based on common opponents because of the saints loss, which is uh, annoying. But true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what the, the Packers need is more points. <laughs> more points, ninety nine. More points. More points. Uh, the Rams will be a team that the Packers can face head to head, even with Von Miller. Obviously, they look like a, an NFC title contender at this point. But with the nod over Arizona, that's going to be huge. And Arizona is going to play the Rams. And also, and- for reference, Von Miller and I are the same age, and I have healthier ankles than he does. Yep. So, like, <laughs> also, <laughs> really quick, like many, 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 many months in advance preview. Um, the best Rams receiver by far is Cooper Cup, and the Packers have been the best defense against slot receivers this year. And when they get Alexander back, which uh, we learned today, he's not having surgery. Um, the plan is to have we, him back. We learned that on October eighth. Well, whatever. I saw it going around today. That yeah. He's not it, so it was. So that there was a soundbite on a, on the sixth where Lafleur was like, "We don't know if he's going to need surgery or not, but we don't think he will." And then on the eighth, they said he doesn't need surgery, and like everyone forgot. And then today, Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show was like, "Yeah, Jair got some good news a few weeks back," and now everyone is like, "Oh my God, he's not getting surgery!" And I'm over here like, "ESPN said that a month ago." Well, at any rate, uh, it's not a bad matchup for them. Um, so yeah. it's a uh, it, it might end up. The Packers, I think, are kind of running into some good matchups, um, just based on how they're running, and I think that might be another one. So, um, good, good to, good to know in advance yeah. that Cooper is not the weapon he is against the Packers. So, we got to hear that that AJ Dillon audio. I want to hear right. it. So, we, um, as as mentioned earlier, um, Matt was on uh, Aaron Negler and Corey Benke's. Uh, podcast that they do with AJ Dillon every week, talking with AJ Dillon. Um, it is often with other podcasters from other podcasts. In addition, they all bailed except Matt, and uh, so Matt had to carry the load on his own and did a a wonderful job of it. AJ Dillon, AJ Dillon is an extremely funny person, and Matt leaned into a lot of I think um, AJ Dillon's um, anxieties and, and and set him up well quite a few times. So, gonna play a quick clip here, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. 
Goodwin squad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wide receiver Marquise Goodwin. He's a, a triple jump. Why? Why couldn't you be an Olympic bobsledder? Oh, I thought you were right going to say triple jump. I was going to say, oh. did you see my Lambo leap? <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, see, he gets there before uh, we can. That's good, AJ. That's well done. Well done. Cut it well off done. at the pass. I like it. I was gonna say, follow-up question. Since you since you mentioned your Lambo leap, another poor Lambo leaper was John Kuhn. Mm. Um, also known for taking third and one carries as the up back. Mm. Uh traditionally, the fans would yell Kuhn when he would take the pick. So now that you have a third and one carry as a fullback. Should we like yell quads or something like? Oh, okay. No disrespect to the fullback role. I'm a running back. <laughs> I was in there. That's the play call. That's the design. I don't want to get carried away with the fullback thing. I still line up eight yards back in the backfield. <laughs> you you but, want to be you want to get down but, head but, steam. but but whatever it takes. If we need it, I'll do it. Whatever it takes. What, what what would you want your chant to be, AJ? Hmm. Quads. Yeah. <laughs> <Quads>. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll we'll have to get All that right. going when you guys well, are back. I don't know in if I have oh, 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 actually, actually, okay. have you ever seen oh. um uh like what's the uh I know I was just watching the Michigan State Michigan game. You know how they go go green, go white. One side could oh, go gosh. quad. The other side go Zilla. <laughs> I think, I think you This is a crowd that doesn't Wow. This is a crowd that can't about Lambo. get together the wave like on defense. I think the sound like, waves mixed with I the think cold. You're like air, expecting a little too much. Somehow would like mess with the defenses, like headset, all types of things. Amazing. I just think we'd, have, we'd be onto something. Oh, I love that. That would be it. sweet. Quad. I mean, Silla. we could get something going with the video board. Like we could have you on one yeah. side and you on the other yeah. to like, yeah. I think that and you're like doing be, the just, thing. Remember when Reggie be, was doing like Matt this and Corey on two sides of the <laughs> yelling by themselves. There you yeah, go. Pretty much. Well, Cause like probably get, get loud Lambo worked. When get loud Lambo on, did work. It worked oh. on the, on the big screen. So I know you got more questions. Can somebody explain the roll the barrel thing? <laughs> I know. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. So you've embraced Wisconsin. You want to like exactly. rule with an iron fist <laughs> the area of Door County. I don't know but what you, it is. He doesn't know. No roll out the barrel. Well, we had no we had no fans last year, so That's it true, wasn't right. like any. We didn't play that. And then this year during preseason, everybody was like roll out the barrel, and I'm just like trying to figure out like <laughs> I don't know dance. Oh, that's I don't know great! If it's like a chant we got like, going. What the hell's roll out the barrel? Where's the yeah, barrel at? Like, like I want to <laughs> get hyped on the sideline too. <laughs> it's a classic. Well, you want to explain? Po- it's just it's polka music. It's basically it's an ode to uh, Wisconsin having a time. I mean, God, like my great grandfather, almost all my great grandfathers either were in a polka band or, you know, hired polka bands regularly. It was it's kind of an ode to uh, classic polka music. And it was something you played when you were at a party I'm a back big, in the day. Uh, I'm a big 40 point buck guy. <laughs> Nice. That's my favorite Wisconsin song. Another classic, okay. no doubt about it. Oh, it's good. Oh, see, I'm um, I'm uh, I'm a youper, not a Wisconsinite, so we're used to the youpers. So you might have seen Second Week at Deer Camp. That would be our our go-to polka. They also sing. They sing the Bears still suck, don't they? 
Uh, and, no, uh, they get they get credited. It's like the, I love my the Green Bay Packers. They sing though, right? They do. They yes, do love the. Sorry. They have the the Packer backer anthem and all that. Um, <laughs> you know, but but AJ, I've been a Packer fan my whole life. I still don't know what a Torero is. Yeah, no one knows. <laughs> Matt, excellent job. I would go to pieces talking to AJ Dillon in a second, and uh, you, you set him up great. Um, and uh, you know it. it it's good to see you on there too, especially getting the whole floor to yourself without anybody. It was else fun. Um, you know the 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 saying about like you're supposed to picture an audience in their underwear. Yes. Um, so AJ was Twitter stalking me in the pre-show to like try and get try and get like a, and I knew he was doing it because the questions he was asking me, and he was looking at his phone while he was doing it. So he was doing intel on you before it started. That... Yeah, he was. Oh, um, interesting. And and so he goes, so Matt, what's your opinion on Pete Carroll? And I had just tweeted like 20 minutes before that Pete Carroll was a dork because of the DVOA. Okay. The DVOA thing. And so I was explaining to AJ that the, um, the stuff from last year with DVOA and Rob Domofsky. And I ended with, <laughs> yeah. And now there's an eternal blood feud between Acme Packing Company and Domofsky. And <laughs> Nate Nagler about fell out of his chair laughing. He thought that was... <laughs> um, so then AJ continues to scroll. And then you guys remember that thirst trap picture I was talking about? Oh, yeah. I know exactly the one you're talking about. So he puts it full screen on his phone, holds it up to the webcam and goes, Matt, this you? (laughs) He's probably just appreciating the the large thighed. He's like, nice. So was this you? This wasn't you in the LaFleur costume, was it? No, this this was me showing off my meat wagon. Matt uh, Matt in tight jeans doing the, I think, the girl. Yeah. Typical girl butt pose. Yes. Um, So after after an NFL player compliments your butt, it's like it's it's just smooth. You got to get that framed inside. That's what you get. Especially (laughs) A.J. Dillon. I mean, it's funny. Like, like, so I, I tweeted about it and Nagler retweeted it. So, like, I have the approval of the other people who were there and witnessed it. And I told him, I was like, you guys should always record your pre-show and put it as, like, a Patreon exclusive because she's had TV as a Patreon. That's what we should do here on this podcast. (laughs) We should. I'll start. We should have had a fertile ground. I'm I'm honestly mad at not recording the pre-show this show. And I should mention, by the way, because I said I would. Also, I appreciate it. um, Aaron Nagler was kind enough to, to allow us to include that. He gave permission to do it. And... Um, I will include a link to um, to Matt on the show in the show notes and on, on the APC post on it. And, and, and thank you to Aaron and Corey for having that. And, and one last thing about Devin Ramashadi. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, Paul, Paul and I, neither of us would have the social media reach that we do without Nagler. His signal boost has helped both of us immensely. So... Thank you, Aaron. I think I listening. might be I might be one of the only people ever to be unblocked by Aaron Nagler. Also me. <laughs> oh also wow, me. okay. Yep. Good work. Uh, you and I got blocked at the same time back when Nagler was on the beat, and then he unblocked us and we both built a friendship with him. So yep. thanks. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah. All right. Should we talk All about right. the Chiefs? They uh they looked a whole bunch Ooh, of bad on the night against they the were, They're not good. <laughs> and and they were playing against the Giants who couldn't even talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite things about the Chiefs being bad is that the way that they're bad is uh, people are just playing a cover two shell against them, which is like the th- the Aaron Rodgers thing, like the Aaron Rodgers also, kryptonite. And uh, also the reason that Pat Mahomes is bad is because he's playing hero ball and not taking what the offense gives him. Yes, exactly. He's like a, a, a young buck who is not wise enough to know what's there. But uh, I, I also think his personnel hurts him here, too, because um, Aaron's go-to here is, well, Matt LaFleur forces power running, which is good against a cover two shell. But Devontae Adams is also... Um, very good at shaking himself open in tight spaces and at least doing some damage there. And Aaron and Devante are good together. 
And Tyreek Hill is the best Chiefs receiver, and he's not Devontae Adams. He's a completely different kind of player. He is primarily a deep threat, a burner, and a speedster. And yeah, you can do some stuff with him in space if you can do end arounds and whatnot, but he's not Adams, and the cover two shell seems to really hurt him quite a bit. So um, they don't have the same, I think, easy answers to this that Green Bay does. And I think that's one of the reasons they haven't quite conquered it yet. We should also point out that there's no guarantee Devontae Adams plays in this game by True. any means. He True. wasn't he wasn't out of the COVID-19 protocol by Monday. Now practices haven't really kicked in yet, so we'll see what happens then. But they, we know they do get MVS and they do get Lazard back, so at least yeah. there's that much. So the... Uh, the rumors going around are that he is negative and asymptomatic and there is a 10 day. Is that it? It's not 10, 10 for vaccinated. It's just it? two nope. tests in a 48 hour period. I think. After two tests in a okay. Cause yeah. I, someone was talking about like, like it was like Thursday would have put him 10 days or whatever. I, I don't know. There's it it was people that are supposed to be in the know and I'm not, no, not so. for, not for the vaccinated. It's not 10 days. It is um, asymptomatic tests. That's it. Yeah. So, and and so, he might, I mean, he maybe just had symptoms a while. I, I know people who are vaccinated and have had some serious symptoms. And, uh, you know, it, it the vaccine is good and keeps you out of the hospital for the most part. But you still get a pretty nasty, you know, flu-like fever once in a while. So I think that may be what we got here. Yeah, freaking Paul in your, in your politics on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there have, been a, there have been a fair amount of breakthrough cases in sports. And again, the reason... Yes, in this case, he probably had symptoms as a, as a vaccinated individual. He yep. probably isn't subject to the same rigorous testing. But remember, they're testing all the time. So sometimes it's it's going to catch the mildest, the most, you know, inconsequential cases of COVID. It's are going to be caught. That's why we keep seeing that in sports. In a way, I think it's sort of tilted the the overall view because you keep hearing about people who are vaccinated but test positive in the sports realm. You know, I don't know if you're having that in the general population because people who don't have symptoms are not getting themselves tested. So, you know, if they're vaccinated, why would they? So, uh, so well, I'll tell you this: I'm I'm jabbed. I've had symptoms that were conducive to COVID, and I've had four or five tests, all negative. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't want to know how many tests a professional athlete gets. Those suck. Yeah, they're not. If fun. you if you've not had your your blood brain barrier poked by a Q tip, it is the worst. Have you had the, have you had the throat one? I've not had the throat one. It's all been straight up the nose. Oh, all right. Well, that that one um, hurts more, but for less time. So, um, yeah, I, I think I I'm not sure which I prefer. I think I actually prefer the throat one a little bit. <laughs> there is a saliva test that they were using in Major League Baseball too. The so sl- I don't yeah. know if that's still true or not. Uh, the saliva test also is fine. It's not as uh, it, honestly, that's what athletes should be using. The, the the nose and the throat one picks up like minute traces of the virus inside of you. And uh, hmm. that's the one you need for school. That's the PCR test. That is the one that that's why I've had it is to get my kids back in school. Um, the other one picks is, is good enough. And uh, for non-symptomatic people is fine. But whatever. That's that's yeah. where we are right now. <laughs> You guys so, were. Uh, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, you know, a good symptom of keeping Kyler Murray in the pocket. I'm not. I'm just no, trying to get. We're on Kansas City now. No stamp of approval. Um, you were mentioning moments earlier, like the Russell Douglas moment will be sort of cemented as kind of a memorable thing. Really, the biggest moment since I remember the touchdown. Aaron Rodgers, I think, accidentally flipped to Jamal Williams in the back of the oh, end yeah. zone against Kansas City the the bigger biggest regular season moment anyway that that was that was wild 
that that I remember was was similar to the Arizona win. That was such a it was a prime time wasn't expected to happen. They won that game. I think that really sort of solidified their state, their standing as, you know, one of the one of the top teams in, in football that year. And yep. I, I guess, I, I, you know, I, I would never have expected before the season that we'd be at this point where the Packers are about to go to Kansas City. And I would say I think they probably should should win and should feel bad if they don't win, you yep. know, like. But that's kind of where we are, right? Like this is this is now a game that's like flatly winnable the way the Chiefs have played. Uh, I think absolutely so. Uh, they just struggled to beat the Giants, who are who are just a train wreck and terrible. Um, and if the Giants would would they kicked a dumb field goal, like they should they should have won the game. They anyway. should have won the game. And and the Titans, who are a good team but not a great team and very much not a good defense, uh, held this Chiefs team to three points. Um, and if, if you go look at the stats and watch that, I watched that game because I was like, how did the Chiefs only score three points? It's incredible. How, like a Patrick Mahomes team should never score three points in a game. It shouldn't happen. Also, the Titans <laughs> also an Aaron Rodgers. Well, and Aaron Rodgers one shouldn't, and they yeah. did at the beginning of the it's season. It's true. It's true. It happens. But that, the Saints, I think, have proven to be a pretty good defense. And the Titans are not a pretty good defense. They have had trouble with a lot of other teams. Um, <laughs> I think the Saints are very much like Washington, where they're like, like potentially like a good quarterback away. They are a good quarterback away and just lost their halfway decent quarterback. Yeah. So. <laughs> Rumors are that Philip Rivers has been getting phone calls. Oh, goodness. His arm what is a week. shot as Drew. So what a week for backup quarterbacks. You've got uh, Trevor Simeon. Mike White. You've got uh, Mike White. Mike You've White led the Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush. Mike White led the NFL in uh, passing yards this week. Mike White is the guy who played Ned Schneebly in School, School of Rock. Rock. Yes. <laughs> did, you, did you see the awesome... Uh, Cowboys related tweets about Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush looks like he would. No, no, no. Play. Last year, um, uh, oh shoot, uh, who did who did the Cowboys uh, uh, play this Andy week? Andy Dalton. No, who did they play this week? The Vikings. Yes. yes. So last, like it was last week, Andy Dalton completed a pass to Dalton Schultz to beat the Vikings, and and this uh, this week, Cooper Rush Cooper completed Rush a, a pass to Amari Cooper, <laughs> which is fantastic. Incredible. Yes. Simply great. Uh, yeah, it's boggles my mind that the Cowboys might be the team that this Packers team is competing with for a top seed at the end of the year. It's Rams, Cowboys, Packers, Cardinals going to be a wild four way. Buccaneers. Four-way well, the, the, the oh, Buccaneers. Thing, I know the Buccaneers the lost, can... but that, that happens once a year and you should ignore it. Yeah. But the best thing that could happen to the Packers is Kellen Moore getting offered a high head <laughs> coaching position before the Packers play. It's well, yeah, but it's not going to happen this season. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it would be the best, though, wouldn't it? Yep. Not if it's the Bears. I I, I do. I, I did start this whole tangent by mentioning that the Titans kicked the crap out of the Chiefs, especially on offense. And I, I did want to mention why that happened, which is that uh, Travis Kelsey is having big problems. And they keep trying to force him the ball. And the reason he's having big problems is because the entire league discovered that he's actually a wide receiver and he can't block for for shit. Um, Travis Kelsey is a worse blocker than Alan Lazard is. And uh, what you want out of your tight end is to be a force blocking so that you can do some power running if you decide to shift that way. You get a bunch of DBs on the field, you line them up, you, you smash the DBs, you get six yards on a big power rush. Travis Kelsey's useless at that. And so... Um, when Travis Kelsey is being guarded by a linebacker, he's about 9% better than an average wide receiver. When he's being guarded by a DB, he's about 7% worse than an average wide receiver. And now the Chiefs aren't getting anything other than DBs guarding Travis Kelsey, but still feeding him the ball. His catch percentage has been garbage two games in a row. He's pretty much single-handedly why they lost the Titans game and didn't score any points. And, uh, 
instead of at halftime uh, of the last game against the Giants, they adjusted and just decided to throw to Tyreek Hill every single time. But that has its problems too. Tyreek Hill had 18 targets against the Giants. Um, that uh, that's too many, <laughs> and uh, you, you can you can bracket that and take that away if that's what you're going to do. And that's what they did. So Kelsey's a problem. He used to be a solution, and now he's not. Hmm. Weird year for I mean Kittle Kittle's injury related, but between those two guys, Tunyon, like the elite tight ends of last year, have uh, have not carried over here. Yeah, in it's the new season. it's weird. It's bizarre. Tight end is a tough position. Uh, it's really hard to get a good one that sticks. Yeah. Do the Raiders have a really good one? Yes. I forget who. Okay. Uh, Darren Waller. Darren Waller. Yep. That's the other one I'm thinking of. He's hurt too, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's get to questions unless there's anything else you guys want to throw in here. I no? do want to very quickly mention that we didn't talk about the Chiefs defense at all because it is the worst defense in football it, and doesn't it is deserve- absent. Does does not deserve any conversation at all. So, in terms of first down or touchdown percentage, uh, the Chiefs is the worst mm-hmm. by a large margin. Yep. Um, the Packers is fourth worst. Yeah, it is. The Packers uh, defense is not good on a per play basis, but even that but being... in terms of in, yeah, in terms of uh, drives or is it like plays ending in a first down or a touchdown yeah. or whatever the hell that statistic? That's was what it is. Described it perfectly. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, the Chiefs are the worst. The Packers are fourth worst. However, the Packers lead the league in field goal percentage. The Packers allow the lowest percentage field goal attempts. Wow. <laughs> because everyone scores everybody touchdowns. scores touchdowns in the red zone. Oh. By the way, that's come back. I mean, that's uh that stat has regressed to the mean hey. at this point. Hey, yeah. he said it. Drink. Drink. <laughs> Thank you, Rasul Douglas, for making it uh con- continuing the trend into the final moments of indeed of this game. All right, let's start with uh, Patreon questions again. Patreon subscribers get question priority here on reporting is eligible. PJ Vessels, one of my PJ favorites. Nuclear Wessels. Two questions he has. What season which season has been more surprising, the Chiefs or the Cards? And is there a solution to the time crunch, time warp that a Thursday game or a London game causes besides the obvious? Just don't schedule them. It sounds like neither one is going away anytime soon. I have an idea. What's your idea? Extend the season by one week. Give everyone after a Thursday game or before a Thursday game an automatic buy. You know, there used to be two buys. That was a thing that happened for quite a long time. And it's wait, a, wait, what years did these happen, Paul? Uh, I forget, but I know that did, my, did I exist on this plane? You of did, existence? you did. Um, the reason okay. I can remember it at all is because um, Falcons. I remember him as a Falcon because it's Falcon and Tecmo Super Bowl. Tech, uh, Mike Rozier played seventeen games in a 16-game schedule because he was traded over a bye, and it was during the two-bye time period that that happened and managed to eke in a 17th game at some time. So um, it was late 80s, based on what I just said. There were two buys. It happened. It was a th- I definitely... The uh, 1993 season appears to be the only one with two buys. Okay, well, whatever. That's that's, <laughs> that's close. Mike Rozier played in 1993. My player recollection is correct. I agree with the sentiment that neither of these things are going anywhere anytime no, soon. It does feel like, I mean, I've seen cases, this isn't even the most egregious, but you'll see teams that play Sunday night or Monday night. Uh, they're Not Monday night into Thursday, but Sunday night into Thursday. And that just feels wrong, man. Like, yeah. there have to be some concessions. And I don't know. I, Matt's outside right. of the second like, bye week, that's the only real solution. I right? feel like you should be able to do this by building in a bye. I feel like this is one of those things where picking a game trumps... 
um, scheduling and they they go for interesting matchups and that's what makes it difficult to schedule. Even with a single buy, I think you could line it up so that everybody had plenty of rest coming into that game. I think that's a thing you could do. And they choose not to do it to get better matchups. Adding a yeah. second buy would really help alleviate that. I feel like, I don't know, if was that always the case? I feel like the original Thursday night games were these rando, I think they bizarre match. I think you're right about that. I think it was random, bizarre matchups. Maybe they should go back to that. I mean, people watch football <laughs> no matter what it is. You, I, I know the network wants to get good teams, but having any football on Thursday night is good viewing. So uh, that would also help out. Well, we should statistic like like bad football games still destroy all other sports two to one. Absolutely, nothing touches it. We should have like like a game seven of the NBA finals got fewer uh views than like a jets game sure we should answer the caveat the caveat that the inventory is so low in the nfl that every game matters to such a higher degree it does yeah but game seven of the finals sure well there wasn't a game seven of the finals this year but i I see it was last year it was Ah. was lakers with uh with lebron bucks and six okay bucks and six uh we should Uh, answer wait 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 we didn't answer the other half of the question. question yes yep What's more surprising, uh, the the Kansas City sucking or the Cardinals being good? Cardinals, Chiefs, Chiefs. Chiefs. It's Card- okay. Cardinals. I think I agree with Jr. I think it's the Chiefs. Why do you think it's the Cardinals? Because I think because Cliff Kingsbury is stupid. I think because Pat um, Mahomes throws more interceptable balls than any other quarterback in the history of the NFL, and eventually that shit was going to catch up to him. Uh, I guess, but that offense is great, and it, there's no reason to expect it to not be great. Even throwing picks, like that happens sometimes. Like, or even f- if it's not great, it's not for like sub 500. But wh- okay, so wh- why do you think, think the Cardinals that? were surprised? Also, also, by the way, the Super Bowl hangover is real. Super Bowl hangover is a real thing. It's a curse. The team who loses the Super Bowl goes on to be not as good the next year. That is it, often the case, but except the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, all right. Uh, because the Patriots are run by but Satan. But the Chiefs have been good for many years in a row. This is not a jump up and get in the Super Bowl kind of thing. Sure, uh, but like but like the the they got figured out, right? Like and their offensive line isn't necessarily any better than it was than it was. Like like all their all their faults that were there last year are still there. The quarterbacks just, usually just trumps everything else. And and I think by consensus, Pat Mahomes is one of the three best quarterbacks in football. But in the exact same way that Aaron Rodgers thought that he could do it all himself and it was the downfall of the Packers offense, I think that you are seeing that a lot in Kansas City. All right, but I I think, okay, but Cardinals. Um, the, Car- the Cardinals being good to me is surprising. The being this good, being being an unbeaten team until the Packers, until the Packers did this. Uh, yeah. I don't think... So I think it's kind of surprising because I, I actually don't think that Cliff Kingsbury is that good of a coach. I don't think that the the air raid can survive in the NFL long term. But uh, opposite that, I think Kyler Murray was good enough that um, a, a few years under his belt um, and ascending a little bit is predictable. I think that that is something that uh, is not that surprising. And, and adding DeAndre Hopkins to the mix, I think is very helpful. Adding J.J. Watt to the defense, I think, is very helpful until he gets hurt. They, I'm, I could see this team tanking a little bit right now, but I think that they increased their personnel level at important positions quite a bit, and they got expected development out of a few young guys, Kyler Murray and, uh, and Kirk as well. So um, I'm not that surprised that happened. I'm, I guess I'm a little surprised that they were 7-0, and but um, I, them being contenders doesn't surprise me that much. All right, Alex Lamers asks, the Packers are 7-1. and one. 
and the week one loss continues to look weirder and weirder. How do you make sense <laughs> of that one, given how the rest of the season has gone? I think we, I mean, we went back to this before, but like, you know, maybe there's something to not playing in any of the preseason games and not being completely on the same page. I said it then, I'll say it again. This Packers team would have taken that loss if it meant coming through healthy. Uh, ironically enough, this has not been a healthy football team, but like they had a vision in mind and yeah, they took the loss 17 game season. Now you can afford it. And clearly, I mean, clearly they're going to absorb it just fine. Defensive. Yeah, if if de- Dallas starts losing defensive DVOA, New Orleans is currently third. Um, and so that's really not a surprising in retrospect as it looked at the time. So um, that that's how you explain it. I don't think the, the Packers, I think were prepared for the team they played last year that they just blew the doors off of and without precision, practice beforehand um and and with you know new defensive scheme uh, on one side and um and not expecting you know not expecting new orleans to bring the defense like they did before that's that's what happened they played a good defense and they lost by the way lurking is the vikings who are fourth in defensive dvoa um they're a they're a bunch of screw-ups but uh, they're like the Vikings always are. Their underlying metrics are scary, and you got to kind of count on them screwing up. So just they I just got beat by Cooper. Rush. I know. Sorry. I'm, I'm aware of this. It's just like um, they're a weird. The Vikings are weird. They cannot get out of their own way, and uh, you don't want them to put it together against you, which they do far <laughs> too often. Shout outs to Kirk Cousins for checking down. God, he's when he so has to bad. Go 50 yards with no timeouts. <laughs> They, they should what you want. they should get rid of Zimmer like today. You know, I, also, Zimmer needs to run the ball more. That's what Zimmer needs uh, to do, and he will. Don't worry. That's what that's what the solution will be. I saw Adrian Peterson's back in the league. By the way, um, they didn't blow the doors off that Saints team last year either. I mean, they did. They did win uh, offensively. They did they offensively. Sc- they had a really good game, but it was it was back and forth because the Saints were pretty expo- explosive on offense too. That's the the Kamara run, the Beast Quake point, you know, two point and yep. everything. So like, it's not like the Saints were a, a throwaway. I thought that was pro- that, good. Good argument. That was their best their best win last year in the regular season. It was like, definitely. I mean, the 49ers on paper was, but knowing who played, not so much. So, um, <laughs> I think the Saints no were better than the 49ers last year. Oh they, yeah, for sure, for sure. For that's sure. their best win. Yep. So, uh, so it's not like they were they were nobody. You, you get frustrated thinking about that because Breeze is gone, and it obviously wasn't a true road game in the in the traditional sense because it was in Jacksonville. But you know, like with the move there, you think, oh, they're going to be dis- disorganized a little bit. New quarterback. You're gonna we're gonna they'll find a way. But yeah. No. Anyway, Shark McCarthy, we're on Twitter questions now. Do you wish you could, this is going reference, you asked, mentioned this question. Do we wish we could erase the Joe Barry episode from existence? We did kind of answer that without saying yes, because we have pride. I I mean, I think the answer is legitimately no, because I don't think our analysis was wrong. I think there was every every reason to doubt that he would come in and be a good coordinator. Um, And uh, nothing was untrue about his, his ascension via nepotism. And sometimes that works out. And he's he's done well so far, but again, um, I, I I will I will point out their behind the scenes stats aren't as good as their points per game stats, and the, there's a long season left, so we'll we'll see what happens. But I all that said, I do I do think he's done a pretty good job. So I will I will say credit where credits due. Joe Barry has has I think coordinated a good defense so far, and uh, I don't want to erase it because I think it was correct at the time. But we should give credit when guys change and do a good job, and he has. Joe Kelly asks, why do the Packers hate timeouts? And, or is it, is it just a viewership bias? 
and maybe all teams mismanage them. And and we talked about why in this we did, game. but it's well, not a, should, it's it's not a viewership and, bias. It's you not go back and read Paul's article yeah. from January 2019. Precisely, where he went over this exactly. Yes, and it is absolutely not. This is not the kind of thing where every team does it. It really isn't. It is the Packers do it. Uh, far more than almost every team, and it is an Aaron Rodgers thing more than a coach thing. It's been consistent hey. from McCarthy to Lafleur. Every time the Packers break the huddle with more than 15 seconds left on the play clock, drink, and you will end the game sober. <laughs> yes, you will. Yeah, and and is that have we decided that's that's like an Aaron Rodgers thing where he likes to to use every second because he likes to survey the defense. I think until I think the, the last problem possible. Is, the problem is is it's a compounding issue. It is a compounding yeah. issue. You're right. The offense is set up to have several different plays for every play. Aaron Rodgers loves to have the freedom to check between this and that and take everything defense gives, blah, blah. His hard count doesn't catch people off sides anymore, but it does get people to show their blitzes. Yep. Like, it's just, it's a lot of, like, like Matt LaFleur's offense is great for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is great at conducting it. But I wish there was another ten seconds yeah. on the play clock. Your, the positive spin here is that they they get every bit of information they can out of the time that they spend at the line of scrimmage waiting to snap the ball. But it comes at a cost, and if anything goes awry, or if the defense is showing them something they don't like, or if he's got to move people, um, or if he's got to check to like a fourth or fifth play, it puts him in danger of running out of time. And that's just like he would be Eric Rogers would probably benefit from being in um, a more simplified system where the plays get out sooner. And uh, LaFleur may benefit from a guy who is just willing to run his play and not audible so much. And the combination together produces some brilliance, but it, this is the cost. And that's it's, just how it is. It's much better when you look at it as a byproduct of maybe what makes them great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it yeah. might be just because we, you talked about the chiefs. I mean, they get banged for this all the time, but I imagine there's something a little similar at work, right? Yeah, to go back to that that work I did, by the way, and just it, it's a uh, maybe my proudest accomplishment as a writer because I I learned how to use R to do it, and I originally intended to do it to figure out um, if the Packers were wasting more timeouts than any other team, and they weren't more than any other team, but almost any other team. So yeah, but I also um, figured out the value of the play they ran after the timeout to see if okay this was by McCarthy was still coach I wanted to see like they take this timeout maybe they drop a great play in the huddle and they get a huge bang for the buck out of it they didn't uh, Mike McCarthy was shit out of timeouts uh, they tended to, they ran the ball into the line a bunch of times it's bad but what I discovered out of that what ended up making it take off was Andy Reid's brilliant out of timeouts he, he also has a reputation for wasting timeouts early in games but when Reid does it it's almost always worth it the Chiefs routinely score touchdowns out of timeouts uh, outside of the two-minute warning. Um, he added, the year I did the study, he added about 14 points um, over uh, of EPA over other coaches by taking timeouts outside of the uh, the time period where you would normally take timeouts. So um, that can work for you if your play is good enough. I should probably rerun it, but oh man, it was painful the first time and it's hard to reproduce. <laughs> Um, that story got picked up a few places, though. It kind of went, uh, yeah, you know, kind of a mini viral. Mini viral. Uh, I would say max viral, as far as yeah, I'm it, concerned. It went, it went real. It went viral. For <laughs> real, real, real viral. Um, the 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 uh, NFL Network's morning show, Good Morning Football, with Pete Schrager and 
K and uh they made a whole segment out of it. Um Yeah, they did. Yes. So, um <laughs> I didn't want to be too braggy on your behalf. I didn't yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know what it's the etiquette right. was there. But here's the thing. I could speak with some authority on this. And yeah, this is not um this is not something they're imagining. The Packers waste timeouts. Um and I'm not sure they get great value on the next play. They save 5 yards. Um that's usually a negative transaction because those timeouts come in handy they create another possession at the end of the game at the end of the half um and it's something that would be good to fix but with the current composition of the team complicated offense complicated quarterback it's not going to get fixed so enjoy the beautiful plays that happen when Aaron takes all that time a couple more questions to go Mikey asks what would you have liked to have seen them do at the deadline the trade deadline of course came and go came and went Tuesday it's the annual tradition of holding your breath hoping now now they might actually go for it because Aaron Rodgers has an uncertain future here and they have most of the pieces and they've signed other veterans and maybe this is the year they trade for somebody. No, they didn't trade for Matt, them. do you have one? Hey, what, what do you mean? The Packers The Packers cut their terrible long snapper they and did. signed a good one. They did do that. Oh, yeah. Hunter Bradley Matt, I, is gone. Take the floor. Take the floor, Matt. What would I have liked to have seen at the, at the trade deadline? Or if you want to talk well, about Hunter being gone. Oh, God, I'm so glad. I'm, okay, so... My my best pun, probably maybe ever, yeah. Was today, um, Hunter Bradley was cut because he wasn't good enough. <laughs> uh, Brett Good, long time, long snapper for the Green Bay Packers. Man, I forgot about. I'm Is laughing that... on the inside. Yes, me too. Who was who was brought out of retirement? In fact, to uh, to long snap for the Packers. Yes, I, goodbye, Hunter. I do think it's worth noting that they've kept Steve Wardle along on the practice squad for quite a while. And um, they also protected him every week. Every week. And so they've they've been assessing Hunter Bradley carefully <laughs> and have they've had his replacement protected. And, and a valuable... I mean, you could, you could lose people on the practice squad if you don't protect them. They have been taking risks with skill position players to do this and it finally came home to roost today. Which, by the yeah. way, th- this week they didn't protect the running back. What's they didn't. Patrick, uh, Patrick Taylor did not get protected today, which is <laughs> crazy. Uh, we, we, I, I feel bad we didn't mention Kylan Hill, who just had his knee exploded in that game. And um, is, I think, a good young running back, and I hope he can come back from that, but it was real bad looking. But Patrick We've Taylor, been- man, Patrick Taylor not being protected is crazy. <laughs> We've all been focusing on the roster spot where a apprentice is being groomed as the replacement in the wrong spot the whole time under <laughs> our nose. The long snapper was uh, was on borrowed time, so uh, he's finally good enough where he can take over. Yep. This is this is a huge relief, I'm sure, Matab. This is this is uh, it is okay. So the the Packers' new long snapper. I'm sorry, his name eludes me again. Uh, Patrick. I just no, that's it's not. It's it's Steve Steve Wordle. Wordle. Yeah. Wordle. Steve Wordle. I thought it was Patrick Wordle. Um, I'm it, confused. It's, it's definitely a name I learned for the first time today, so I'm not gonna pretend if like you I guys, knew this guy. If you guys have seen Steve Wordle's headshot, that is not the headshot of an NFL player. That is the headshot of a man who just won employee of the month at Menards. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did just win employee of the month, Dagnab, and he just got promoted. He got promoted at uh, Menards. He's the assistant manager. <laughs> Think how cool it must be to focus on long snapping your whole career and like wind up on the practice squad and like be telling your family every week like it's gonna happen this week it's gonna happen this week they're gonna go to the long snapper um they're they're gonna get rid of their old one it's gonna be me and then it happens like my long snapping paid off he told me no and it 
No, I the best the best long snappers in NFL history are names that no one has heard of. And and you know, there are guys you you look them up and they've had 10, 15 year careers, yeah. and you're like, it's a great, literally never heard of this guy. It's a but, great job. You can go yeah. to the mall and never have to worry about anything, you know. Like yeah. you don't have to worry about people wanting your autograph, they don't know who you are. It's incredible. Well, it, okay. Also, the modern NFL long snapper doesn't really have to block either. No, because so nobody can line up over them. It's yeah, really so a great job. Need, like you can be you can be five foot ten. And 195 pounds. And if you're like a really good long snapper, you can do it. Like, Yep. It's true. So I do have a real answer to this question, um, which is I, I wanted them to trade for Mo Ali Cox, who is a Ooh. tight end for the Indianapolis Colts. And um, he, the Colts are three and five, which is, does not eliminate you from the AFC, which is a stupid conference this year where everybody's in it, but they're out of it. They, they have a terrible quarterback. Um, and Molly Cox is secretly really good and is really good every year. His, uh, he is my favorite kind of prospect. He, he doesn't get a ton of targets, but he is super efficient DVOA-wise consistently. And year over year, he has a big enough sample size that that's real. Um, his, uh, his Raz is good. He is a good athlete. Um, he's still relatively, he's not young, but he's relatively young. He's 29. And he's a uh, basketball player. He was, he is a former basketball player as all good tight ends are. And uh, every time he blocked a ball, the fans would go, Mo says no. Yep. Mo says no. I love that. And, uh, justice has all these crazy wide receiver stats behind the scenes that eliminate things like screen passes and RPOs, um, to just fo- focus on the receptions that tight ends get or receivers get um, of their own talent. And Molly Cox is also very high in all of those stats that he has um, and is also a pretty good blocker. So um, a, a valuable player. By the way, he's also a, a uh, unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So uh, he is purportedly a very good citizen, a good locker room guy, and uh, the Colts don't want to part with him, which I totally understand. But they could also just resign him at the end of the year if they really like him that much, or they could have extended him, which they haven't done. So um, that's who I wanted him to get. He's a perfect replacement for Tanyan. He's the same kind of hyper-efficient player, but a better blocker, and uh, by all accounts, a good guy, too. So that's what I wanted him to do, but they didn't. So um, that ship has sailed. Did you guys Did you guys see the uh, the quote from McCarthy that, that Nagler posted today? Nope. Uh, it was like a discussion with Mike McCarthy, like, so did, did you expect that you guys were going to do anything at the trade deadline yesterday? And McCarthy goes, isn't that next week? And they're like, <laughs> no, Whoa. that was yesterday. And he goes, well, that's what we do around here. <laughs> that's funny. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. So, in the era of Mike McCarthy, like, that's that's how the Packers handed the, handled the trade deadline. Yeah. All right. So, here's a, a related question to Hunter Bradley. Do we now think the 2018 draft, Brian Gutekunst's first draft, is worse oh, oh God. than the 2017 draft, which is Ted Thompson's last? Now, both of them have their high and low points. The 2017 draft is the one forever remembered for the decision to not draft T.J. Watt and instead get Kevin King. Then you take Josh Jones, also <laughs> in the second round. Not a great start. Montrevious Adams, Vince Beagle. Oh, that's not good. Nope. But they do get Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones on the back end of that deal or in the back end of that, uh, that draft still not a good draft. I would say there's a couple other names in here, but I don't even, I don't even care to read them. But in 2018, uh, starts with Jair Alexander. So already, already we have a superstar. Yeah. Yep. But it gets bad from there. Josh Jackson, Oren Burks, you know, Jamon Moore, fourth rounder that didn't even make it no. through a first season. Uh, Cole Madison, who isn't, uh, who had checked out pretty quickly. He had uh, mental health issues among other things, but now JK Scott, Boo. In the fifth round, dumb draft. MBS. Good, MBS. good pick. MBS is yep, a good pick. Fifth round, but then Equinemius in the sixth round. Bad pick. And then, 
you know, Hunter Bradley's a seventh round pick. Who whatever. cares? Like that's yeah. yeah, it's like a you know, undrafted free agents and seventh round picks are usually the same, but they do end up drafting a long snapper and a punter. And if you're gonna use draft capital on those positions, you better hit on them. Pretty clearly they hit on neither of them. Neither of them make it into the twenty twenty one well, through the twenty twenty one season. Yeah, the JK Scott pick is stupid. Never draft a punter. Yeah. I'm so glad I, I think... wrote against that at the time. I have that on my record forever. Also, I thought James Looney was going to be good. Me too. I agree with you on that. I'm surprised he wasn't. His he... brother was a fourth round pick. Um, he just he was a big, God, big dude. Yeah, I think they've got their James Looney with Jonathan Garvin. That seems to have <laughs> also. Oh my out. God! Did you know James <laughs> Looney is is a nine seven five Raz player? No. Yeah, Dang. that's why I've always liked him. Yeah, it was I, a knock I... on him that he fell to the seventh round. Um, he played for Northwestern, right? Cal, Cal, Cal. Uh, but bad technique and, and just very raw. That's always he tough. also didn't weigh a lot. He was like he was weight wise. I think he was sub three hundred. Okay, but he was just like a big. Like, yeah, this has him. It's two thirty two, <laughs> two thirty two. So that's. Uh, but he wasn't By the a way, tackle. He was an end. Do you know who was drafted directly in front of J.K. Scott? Oh no, this is going to be a bad one. Tell no, me. it's not that bad. Mike White, quarterback, Western Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of, speaking of people who had people drafted directly after them, and it's a bad segue. Jay Sternberger <laughs> is, is is a free agent once again. No. Oh yeah. No. Well, here's and here's the next question. <laughs> oh God. Um, big rig. Will Jace get his number eighty seven back? <laughs> He's not coming back. Okay. So so the since leaving the Packers, Jace was already on his second team. Yeah, Jace is clearly um, bad. Nobody likes Jace. He's done. He's done. <laughs> also, Jay Sternberger is a thirst Twitterer. Oh no! Yep. All right. Check out. No. Check out, no. Uh, no. At, not doing it. Check, check out. No. At Jay Stern. Go to his likes. Nope. Not doing that. <laughs> uh, so yes, that question was from Big Rig. Uh, I'm sure a little tongue in cheek, but the Packers need a tight end. They do. Jay Sternberger's available. He knows the system, Paul. Lots of people are available. Somebody else will come in the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, and then last question is a Discord question from Graham Paul Smeet. Is that a play on words that I'm missing? I don't trust the Discord people at yeah, all. I don't either, but I don't know. If you're the front office, do you keep developing love or try to deal him at this point? Obviously, the trade deadline has passed, but has the first half of the season changed your prediction on whether or not Aaron wants an extension? There was a little bit of chatter with his comments on the Pat McAfee show talking about how much he loves it here. You know, he he does today. It was more along the lines of I, I do have conversations with Brian Gutekunst. So, like, it's not the Cold War we we, we think it is. But I don't know. I am not convinced that anything changes. I, I could do an entire mini pod of of Pepe Silvia level conspiracy theories <laughs> about Aaron Rodgers returning beyond his contract. <laughs> It, it, well, I trust Andrew Brandt, who says that this is a it's done. He's leaving, and I, I agree with that. And don't trust anything Aaron Rodgers says. Just don't do it. Uh, it I mean, it, it's interesting to listen to Aaron Rodgers' interviews because he's an interesting personality. But he's not going to give you anything useful for his future plans. So um, I, I think he's still gone. And I, I mean, I'm not against trading anybody, but uh, it. If they think anything decently of Jordan Love, I do think they'll need him next year, and this is a bad quarterback draft class. So you gotta gotta think about all that stuff. 
Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I am. I think it's all smokescreen. Yeah. If he's if he's implying, this, you know, and it is again like this is true of a lot of athletes. It is to his advantage to make it seem like every single team is in play. That adds to his leverage. It adds to maybe the money at the end of the day. You know, you don't rule anything out. He also doesn't so, want to be hated by Green Bay people. He's sure, still here not. for another several months, and it's to his advantage to repair his reputation and to give people hope. Like if he yeah. if he leaves to go to the Raiders or whatever um he doesn't have to deal with any of these people anymore so also he saw how quickly the fan base turned on him uh-huh. yeah. during the draft what if they yeah. win a super bowl does he walk away for sure at that point shit i think if they win the super bowl he retires i mean why not <laughs> right like that's the do the elway thing right like walk away with your super bowl and your mvp i don't think he retires but i think he's gone and i don't think it matters what they do I think he's just gone either way. It's just that the story changes. Like, oh, he did it with the Packers. It's the LeBron right Cleveland story. Side. Yep. And then if he doesn't, then it's like, oh, can't get it done here. Go somewhere else. So, yeah, well, you're right. The, <laughs> the rumor from Donkeyville is that the Broncos are stacking picks so they can trade for Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Whatever. Okay. That's the, the, the fans in Denver and the good, rumor mill. Good luck in Denver. The, and the quote-unquote insiders who... With their awesome the skill position players who have them sucking a lot every week. So, All right, we're out of questions. We're out, we're of, out of questions. Of, we're out of time. We well, are. Technically, there's one question, but Paul's ignoring it. Am I? Yeah, yeah uh, your your brother asked a question mid-podcast. Oh, well, right. I, I'm ignoring it because he asked it mid-podcast. He's late. What and is- also, <laughs> he wants people to explain your your handle because it's a reference to what we do are you shadows. kidding okay i don't I, I don't know why google is so hard for this guy danny like, does not like googling things Dan, danny google danny likes to pretend he's too cool for niche stuff even though he runs a niche he owns a crossfit i know i know you stepped on my joke um thank you for that <laughs> sorry it's, it's it's appalling so uh and, also, and go watch what we do in the shadows go, incredible show. What, go watch what you do in the shadows and you can't skip to the episode i reference here you have to know something about the characters oh, before you do it but so my my handle for halloween is a reference to the best episode of what we do in the shadows which is the jackie daytona episode which is incredible and like um shouldn't be in a show like it, it is a complete like some writer pitched what if we do this and everybody should have been like well that that's stupid and ridiculous and instead they made it so um it, it is a matthew berry showcase who is a fantastic comedic actor um it is it has mark hamill in it um it is absolutely hysterical and uh you you have to watch at least the first few episodes of what we do in the shadows yeah to understand who all the characters are. I think you can get away with just watching season two to get the payoff of... I think of, you're right uh, about that. In fact, uh, I would say the first few episodes, Nadia is a little rough, um, and she gets better as it goes on. Season two is probably the best place to start. Yeah. The current season was also outstanding. There was an episode that I think is as good as the Jackie Daytona episode, where Nandor joins a wellness cult and does aerobics. It is fantastic. Also... Um, but regular human bartender is extremely funny in context, and if uh, you don't understand it, then you're missing out on a fantastic show. Uh, also, okay, so, also Jermaine, Jermaine Clement's other sci-fi show. Um, uh, shoot, I forgot the actual name of it. Uh, uh, Legion. No, 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 no. That that it's uh, it's. Oh, I'm so. Uh, I mean, Jermaine Clement is in Legion. I'm ed- yes, he is. I'm editing this out, but it's it's New Zealand town paranormal, and I forgot what the <laughs> New Zealand town is. Um, <laughs> but uh, also very good. But what we do in the shadows is fantastic. My plugs right. for the week are: you should watch other Matt Berry vehicles. That's a good um, good call too. 
start start watching the IT crowd. He comes in in season two. Highly recommend his character in the IT crowd. It's mm-hmm. one of the best shows ever. He's it awesome is. in it. Watch Snuffbox. I know you guys were new to Snuffbox when I introduced that to you. Um, it, it was very it, Matt Berry. So yes. So if if you if you like Matt Berry and what we do in the shadows, just go to YouTube and search for Snuffbox Boyfriend. Just just watch the compilation of all the boyfriend jokes and Snuffbox, and you will have a good time. Okay, that's it. That's all I got. That's all because we are. Matt, Matt was for... also on a podcast with AJ Dillon. Yes, so I was like, we already plugged that like twelve <laughs> times. So so go go watch Matt Berry on comedy. All right, Jr. Anything good? Yeah, not really. Not this week. <laughs> I've stopped making content. Four uh, points like... ninety nine. We're flipping, we're, we're flipping roles, myself and Matub from last week. Uh, yeah, more points. More points. Ninety nine was definitely referenced in a compilation of great Packers Cardinals games. It was good. That, yes. Thank you uh, for including the Naypool game at the end because I was going to yell at you if you didn't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That did involve the Packers, of course, but but it did. Of course, it did. I know. Yeah. Yeah, it did. So uh, so right. The, it was it was a very fun time putting that together. Uh, this week, I mean, New Bucks podcast just uh, just landed on Tuesday. The Point Forward podcast with Jim Ozarski, the Bucks finally won on tuesday night which is good because they've been slumping without any of their regular players yep. uh but whatever that's so early in the season who cares i'll i'll try to uh cobble together some packers stuff here in the next few days but uh for the time being uh it's once again middle of middle of a drop but jsonline.com tons of tons of stuff for you there uh new on the new side the kyle rittenhouse trial is going on right now that's a big story Oof. locally nationally we've got tons of people covering it at js online so uh, that's obviously my recommendation there and you know, Packers, Badgers. Oh, the Badgers live blog I've been doing, and and uh, suddenly the Badgers they are can, like legitimately good. They control their own destiny. They totally do. That's been the case it's for a while. They, they just smacked Iowa, which you know, if you'd said that three weeks ago, I would have said that must be one of the biggest wins in Wisconsin history. It's not quite that, but it's still very good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, all that's all that's there for you at jsonline.com. All right, I I have my weekly recap up at the Shepherd Express, and I wrote a my stat of the week piece for Acme Packing Company on Monday which was quantifying how big Razul Douglas's interception actually was. And it is, at least since 1994, which is as far as StatCast goes back for this question, the latest best interception in Packers history. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. If you uh, if you have to eliminate Hail Marys, because there's quite a few Hail Marys interceptions in there that are pointless. A lot of them are by Darren Sharper, so you should extra ignore them. Um, and uh, there is one great interception off of a Minnesota punter in there in a very important game that happened. And uh, there is the worst Hail Mary in Bear history um, thrown by Jay Cutler. Um, so lots of good good laughing at other team uh, passers. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Razul Douglas's uh, interception was phenomenal and kind of unprecedented. So go check that out. The only one that jumps to mind is Tremont Williams in the against the Eagles in the playoffs, right? The, the, is that is that right? That's how the 2011 season ends. He picks off Michael Vick, or that's not the 2011 season, but for the Eagles, the 2011, the 2010, 2011 postseason, first game of the playoffs. Michael Vick is driving with the Eagles, and and Williams picks him off in the end zone, and that's the end of that. I think I included playoffs in my search, and I think that that one came bef- um, earlier in the slightly earlier than Razul's did. Yeah, yeah, it did. Probably. I think there was there was still like legitimate clock to burn. I think there point. was. So, okay. I also cool. I I misremembered Adrian Amos's pick on the Bears as being later in the game than it was, but there was still another Bear drive after that happened. <laughs> so, um, that was also quite surprising. Also, Dante Culpepper's arm sucked. I, I just want to throw that out there. Uh, I always remember him having an awesome rifle arm, and uh, I have a gif of him on that piece throwing the worst Hail Mary I think I've ever seen. So 
go check that out. Anyway, um, that's plenty of podcasts for this week. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week after the Chiefs game to recap that and talk about the Packers' next opponent as well. 